0: Do you or someone you love suffer from chronic fatigue? Find a new you with New Alone. New Alone from the makers of Zenec and Texmexium has been clinically proven to give you the energy you need to take on your day. New Alone uses a science-backed approach and is specifically formulated to provide you with the energy you need and the power you crave. Beam with pride as you face each day with renewed vigor. If you're tired of being tired, consult your physician today and find a new you with New Newalone new Alone is not approved to treat any specific medical condition and should not be taken as a substitute for other medications. Side effects may include stomach pain, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, headaches, dizziness, muscle weakness, muscle cramping, dry mouth, gout, excessive sweating, and dementia consult your physician to find out if new alone negatively interacts with any medications you're already taking. Ask your doctor if new alone is right for you. Stop being constantly tired and find a new you with new alone. Shoot the core cat.
1: Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Schmup Club. This is a family-friendly Schmup themed podcast that asks you to invest in tex mexicoin. coin I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Schmups, and thankfully I have stopped coughing. <laughs> with me, as always is,
0: uh, Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, there are several ways that you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at ShootCorecast. You can also follow me there directly at game Boy Guru. You can find links to all of the feeds for the podcast on our Linktree page, linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. Uh, make sure to join us for a Shmup Club playthrough. And we do have a new Discord server uh, that you'll be able to find and, um, and uh, join us for the playthrough there so that you can post. We've got a topic set up for each game of the month and uh, all kinds of stuff there. So uh, hit us up for links on that, and there's a link on our Twitter page to the Discord as well. Uh, If you would, please subscribe, rate, review, like, share, etc. The podcast on uh, your platform that you use. And uh, I do stream the Schmup Club Game of the Month multiple times throughout each month, Uh, so if you'd like to watch that, follow me on Twitter at, uh, or excuse me, on Twitch, Twitch.tv slash Guru Game Boy.
1: Yeah, and I especially like the fact that you've got the uh, adults-only Game Boy Guru After Hours where you play Deep Space Waifu. I thought that was a nice touch and a good way to widen the audience.
0: (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, we're recording this a little bit late because we... We have our Mushihime-sama focus shot episode that we recorded and put out on the audio feed. Hopefully, you all have listened to that. If not, make sure you go check that out. And I've got a video version of that that's going up on my YouTube very shortly. Um, That is with uh, Mark MSX from The Electric Underground. So by the time this episode is edited and out on the audio version, you should be able to get... The mushihime Sama episode, both in audio and video formats. Uh, so please check that out, and uh, like I said, you can find that on my YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, and uh, three. What was it? Three sixty p, which is at least twice the p you get out of your standard uh, Super Play video, right?
0: Huh, something like that. But um, yeah, so because we're kind of coming at this late. In the month we had some we had some issues with the recording um and so we ended up having to record that episode twice and uh so we're doing this much much later than we typically do so there will not be a question of the month on this episode, which uh then leads us directly into our focus shot so let's talk some gun vein
1: oh yeah, shoot it into my veins no uh. Gunvane, I have been playing this game a lot more and more and more and the more I play it, the more I like it but also the more I get carpal tunnel (laughs) so it it is is a really fast paced game as we're recording this, we mentioned it's February so we're playing a lot of Toho and it is wrecking my Toho playing or my Gunvein playing when I go back and forth because Gunvane is very much a very fast-moving game in Toho is all about micro-dodging, so I'll start being really aggressive playing with InToho, and it just doesn't work out. That said, though, I have been really enjoying playing on expert mode in Gun vein to really get the feel and improve my skills. Uh, playing with the ship type C has been really fun. It reminds me a lot of playing with Blast Core when you've got the fully powered-up bomb. You are just trying to get rid of the popcorn as fast as possible, just holding that down while firing. And really, really requires you to know your ship's hitbox when you're playing an expert. I Sometimes I'm wondering to myself, how the heck did that happen? Did I survive that? You know, it, it's really a different game when you're playing ship type C. Well, type B has that uh, Rayforce type lock on that is really key to scoring and racking up the, you know, get bonus, or those big points. But if you want to skillfully play, I, I would, or in my opinion, would be to use Type C with the bomb, bomba throwing and ability to act like a wrecking ball. It's, it's, i say every time I go back to that game, it, just just like Crimson Clover, it surprises me, and... Reminds me of why I got into shmups and why they can be so exciting. I'm really happy that we picked this as our focus shot. What about your playthrough, your time for Guru?
0: Well, I have now cleared the mild difficulty, uh, aka easy mode, with all three ships. Um, type A took me the longest. Um, I think actually Type A is is the hardest one to play with funny enough, uh, type B because of its wide range for the lock on there's, there's a lot of, of cover that you have with that, but because its damage output is much lower, you have to be careful, um, with that because, you know, there are, there are some boss patterns that you might have to deal with that you otherwise wouldn't with some of the other um, some of the other ships or with the other two ships so you definitely have to learn how to dodge some stuff with that whereas with uh, with you know type a and to a lesser extent type b you might not have to just because the damage is, is so much higher yeah. I've moved on to intense and <clears throat> I'm finding that intense is a good way to put it because it is a much more uh, difficult... I mean, it's it's a good, healthy jump in difficulty from mild to intense. And uh, on a good run, I can get to stage 3 with the Type-C ship, which is kind of what I'm focusing on right now. But, wow. Um, I really need to learn how to route uh, a few spots very specifically, because the... Um, the... Uh, the I guess I guess you would call it the mid boss in stage two, which is the sort of thing that comes up with the two turrets that keep popping up, and you destroy one, and then the next one pops up, and they shoot these spreads out. And the, I have trouble with that, and then I have trouble sometimes with the stage two boss. So it's definitely a jump in difficulty.
1: Yeah, the stage two mid boss. I mean, no matter what you play that. The fact that those little side turrets keep regenerating definitely is cause for worry as you're trying to do on the health. I mean, with the Type B ship, you have a lot more coverage on being able to destroy those because you've got the wider lock on. In Type A, you don't have as wide a lock on, but you've got more power. So, I mean, they did a really good job balancing. But I might suggest to you, and this is just my personal opinion, to try and play on Expert because you'll get a lot quicker feel from maneuvering and then the bullet patterns on the mid-tier difficulty I keep wanting to name them after uh, taco packets, darn it <laughs> say like spicy, mild, and Diablo but no uh, <laughs> uh, but the uh, medium difficulty and the mild uh, it will seem like everything's moving in slow motion once you played and gotten used to a little bit more expert So you may want to just jump the difficulty so you get uh, right through that that barrier, You know, as uh, Mark MSX loves to talk about. (laughs) Sorry, I I was going to say real quick, I'm glad to hear that you're playing with Type-C as well.
0: Yeah, Type-C is just fun. I I love the fact that once you charge your your special to level 2, that you can essentially launch this big bomb and you get a large area of effect it's very satisfying to when there's a a short lull in the action and then you get another group of enemies coming in that you can have one of those fully charged and lob that toward a group of enemies and just kind of watch this chain explosion of all these enemies being taken out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty satisfying that one of the things that I've had to do with Expert is hold down the bomb button and just, as I mentioned rather really use this big wrecking ball to quickly take out the mid-tier and the popcorn enemies. And then when it's fully charged up, throw it towards some of the larger enemies. It, it, it very versatile. The only part where I'm running in trouble is the stage one mid-boss. That thing, even though you're maneuver on more you don't exactly have that range right because you got to be a lot more up front in the way that you deal with enemies so that part's trouble and then the stage one boss has been giving me trouble with the, the minigun that's in the medium on the mild and the beginner difficulties they don't really don't fire bullets but man those bullets come out extremely fast from the middle the minigun and will catch you unaware really quickly
0: yeah, I have to watch that because um, that, that'll that get me too. So what I, what I usually try and do is I start out on the right side and try to take out the two small turrets or cannons on the boss there and grab the bomb chips from there. And then usually by the time I do that, that minigun will have fired and I can cross over to the other side and then take out the other two. Um, and then by that point... Then it'll start it'll do that weird waving pattern and I can then get kind of to the next phase of its attack.
1: And but, the other part yeah. with the the stage form boss is the very last form, right? When it splits off and you've got that little ship in there, that thing spews bullets like none other on experts, so you at that point I just have to either have a fully charged up a bomb with type C and throw it at it and kill it, or just pray that you can maneuver through the openings.
0: Yeah. How I've been dealing with that is when you get to that final phase, there's a little bit of a pause there before it ramps up its attack. So I get right up in its face and point blank. um, And I'm, I'm charging a bomb while it's in between phases. And then after point blanking for about a half a second or a second, then I'll pull back as it starts to shoot the bullets, and I'll I'll do some damage. Then I'll let go of the bomb button and let that fly so it can hit the the ship. And usually about that time, then I can I can use the uh, the actual bomb attack or the you know the laser attack uh, in order to uh,
1: oh okay yeah t- take it out
0: and then. You know, get the stars and, and take the rest of its health.
1: You know, it's sort of funny. It took me a moment there because with Type C, I end up using the, uh, the charge bomb a lot more than I actually use the actual bomb. <laughs> so I sort right. of forget that it's got the, the bomb with the, the homing lasers.
0: Right. Well, and here's the thing because using that is the key to scoring because of the stars. And the thing that I've discovered by sort of playing and trying to pay attention and watch what I'm doing, once you have a stock of three bombs, that's it. You cannot get, I mean, you can collect additional bomb fragments, but they don't add up, so they don't, like, pre-stage another bomb for you, and you get no score for those, yeah um,
1: it's it's like the um, foreshadowing here, but it's, it's almost like having a full filled up meter in metal black right it's, it's not really that advantageous to unless you're going for score to keep grabbing the new alones.
0: right. And so so it's a it's a smart a kind of intuitive way, I think that Bog hog has developed within the game. To encourage you to use that 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 bomb attack, um, you know, not the Type C charge bomb, but the the overall bomb attack, no matter which ship you're using, because I, I would say, I guess you could call it use it or lose it. But it's once you have three bombs, you're not getting any more, so you can't stock them up uh, and stockpile them like you can in a tow plane game or something. It's literally this is what you get. This is all you get. So that kind of encourages you to to utilize them along the way. So what I try to do is um, one thing I've been doing is I will I'll get to the point where I've got two full bombs and several fragments, and if I if I'm close to getting uh, another bomb, sometimes what I'll do is I'll set off the the bomb attack on some enemies and then usually pick up three, four, five chips and then usually get right back to having another bomb. Um, and so you can kind of get into this cadence of of bomb, pick up chips, bomb, pick up chips, and sort of keep doing that. I want to say there are specific points within the game where, um, where using the bomb attack will yield you more bomb fragments than just regular destroying the enemies. But I haven't figured out where all those spots are yet. Um, So that's going to be a learning process. Um, But it's... uh, I I have been generally enjoying my time with the game. I'm kind of in that point of frustration right now where it feels like I'm not making any progress. Um, But I understand that some of that is just because my, uh, <laughs> my ability to move precisely, even with a nice joystick and all of that stuff, is still, is still not quite there. I, <clears throat> I still have a little bit too much old-school shmupper in me where I want to macro everything or um, or I want to move quickly across the screen when it's not advantageous for me to do so. Just because old habits die hard. And then when I go to micro stuff, sometimes I don't realize either how big my hitbox is or how big the hurtbox is of the projectile that I am uh, that I am trying to dodge. I- I'm also having the problem sometimes with Type-C where, um, because that ship moves fast when you're unfocused sometimes I also have this thing where I can run into enemies (laughs) because I'm trying to be at the top of the screen playing more aggressively. So it does occasionally work against me.
1: Yeah, I I could definitely see that with special type C. It takes getting used to type A and type B are about the same when you're in focus versus moving normally. But type C definitely moves a lot faster when it's in focus and even more so when it's out of focus. Right. The... um, I always, I don't expect like huge sweeping changes, but you certainly are moving a lot more than you'd be doing with the slow micro dodging within a Toho style game or any of the uh, those type of damaku's. Uh, yeah, just a, f- a faster paced gaming in general, like with C- Crimson Clover. Although I don't remember Crimson Clover being this manic.
0: I don't think it is. Th- this reminds me more like a, like a a game that is definitely a danmaku game but perhaps with a bit of i don't want to say psycho because it's not really psycho but with a bit of that sort of 90s manic kind of inspiration you know a, maybe a, a bit of earlier throwback kind of kind of feel to it
1: yeah, what you're saying. There, there's definitely a, a bit of a, a retro vibe to it, and even within the uh, music on there, thankfully, it's. I mean, it is definitely uh, euro beats, but it's not something that I've ever felt like. Oh my gosh, I'm going to mute this and put on something else. So, yeah, definitely, props to that for not uh, becoming uh, too tiresome on the ears. The other part oh. that's really. <laughs> Really nice is even with the, the quickness of the game, I have never run into what I call the ghost blade effect where the bullets sort of blend into the background. Right. And I, it, it's really easy to tell where the bullets are and for the most part where your hitbox is. The <laughs> only question is, can you avoid everything in time?
0: Well, I certainly can't, but um, I'm, I'm working on it.
1: Well, I'm no expert either but I, I definitely know that in order to get better I have to keep trying to play on the harder difficulties so that way I can l- learn more I can't just you know stick to medium difficulty all the time I have to constantly challenge myself to get better It doesn't mean that you know that I, I'm gonna become a, a Jamers or anyone else but it allows me to see the patterns understand stuff better than. It. Than where I was, and I think that the more I've, you know, how many years I've been doing this now, it feels like 20, but uh, <laughs> we've been doing this for what uh, over five years now, and when I started to where I am now, I just look at the explosive growth from playing all these games and trying out this stuff, I, I mean, I'm i certain I could run circles with you know, where I was even a year or a year and a half ago to where I am now, so I'm thankful for the opportunity to keep trying this another year to try out some interesting shmups and to really focus on gun baiting, and that's I think one of the key things that we were sort of missing on some of the other ones, Mushi is great I definitely like Ketsui they're all great games, but this is the first focus shot for me where it it's more of a, oh, this is, let's see what everyone's talking about. This is a good game. I could get more into this. This is a, something that pulls me in already, and I'm already interested, and I want to keep playing, and I just keep going back to it. So I am definitely glad that we agreed to go on this. I'm definitely glad that this game is getting the attention it deserves, and you know oh, hopefully the physical that it deserves so more people can try it.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't know when it's happening, but my understanding is that the that the console ports of the game will be out later this year. So uh, for those who don't or can't play on PC, um, hopefully you'll be able to join in soon. Uh, but if you would like to join in with us, uh, please again do join our Discord, and um, there's a dedicated channel there for the Gunvane playthrough. Let us know how you're doing, uh, share your scores, uh, share your victories when you clear the game, and uh, you know any strats that you pick up or figure out along the way, stuff like that. We definitely want to definitely want to hear from you on that.
1: You know, I wonder if they'll include the coffee break mode that we have with the PC version. Right when you st- when you double click on the icon, it takes about two minutes for it to start. I call that coffee break mode. Oh yes. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that will be worse on the Switch. <laughs> Is remember our type final on the Switch? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, you could have a dinner for four when, by the time you're done waiting for that thing to load. Almost. Oh, well, let's hope it's a good one. And uh, speaking of that, let's talk about Schmup News.
0: Yeah. So I guess first things first. Um, this is, I guess shmup-related, so that's kind of why I decided to include it, but Hotego has updated his Mr. Cores to include spinner support. Um, might not seem very shmuppy right right offhand, but he's the one who wrote the Capcom CPS-1 core, which means that Forgotten Worlds will be playable in a manner that is much closer to the arcade. Now, unfortunately... Uh, the spinner controllers that you can buy that uh, have been made specifically for the mister are a bit on the pricey side, but I'm still thinking about maybe dropping some coin at some point to grab one of those because it would be awesome to be able to play Forgotten Worlds in a way that's relatively accurate to you know what it would be like because I you know when I was at Galloping Ghosts last year. Uh, I didn't, I didn't stand there and play it, but I got to see the Forgotten Worlds arcade cabinet, and you know, with the spinner that you can use, and you actually press it down, press the spinner down to shoot. And I think D. Tungsten said he played it, but uh, but that's pretty cool, and it would be it would be fun to be able to approach that game in a in a more natural way. Because, you know, the, the different ways that it's been done over the years on console has been interesting. And some of those methods work better than others. But, yeah, it would be nice to be able to do it in a more legit way.
1: You forgot something with that. It's not just for uh, <clears throat> for Forgotten Worlds. It also works on the CPS-2 core for...
0: Eco Fighters.
1: Yes. To control yep. the spinning of the arm, <laughs> yeah, I think on Eco Fighters didn't work with the second analog stick. Me into like a twin stick shooter when they did that Capcom Classics two.
0: Yeah, on the on the Xbox and PS2, um, yeah, they were you, they were able to do that in such a way that you could you could rotate with the analog stick, which is a good method of doing it. Um, but obviously, the spinner would be nice.
1: Yeah, the you spinners know. are definitely not. And there, you the Arcane controller comes to mind when it came for that, right? But that that one's expensive, isn't? it? Like eighty dollars. I'm trying to think of
0: something I know, like that.
1: I, I know it wasn't Devil's Third money, but it was definitely up
0: there. <laughs> uh, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, the Switch and PS4 versions of the Metal Black S Tribute were quickly canceled just prior to the February release due to the existence of the Arcade Archives version, but did release on Steam and Xbox. Now, uh, I have the Steam version. I, unfortunately, have not tried it here, but it's a Saturn emulation of the... Or it's it's basically a Saturn wrapped uh, emulator. So... The only thing that it could possibly do be different from this is if they emulated the load times, which I don't think they would. So huh. it's probably just like the Arcade Archives version. And I, I haven't played any tribute games, so I don't know if they have save states or not. That's the only thing that I, I don't like about the Arcade archive version is it doesn't give it that M2 multiple save states. So like, yeah, we'll let you continue where you left off here. It's basically sleep mode. So... I I don't know how it fares against that, but if I had to choose between the two, in my personal opinion, I would pick the Arcade Archives version.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Saturn emulation is just not quite up to par yet. Um, And certainly, once you... Particularly when you factor in the additional latency that you kind of have to build into the Switch it becomes a, a much harder sell. Even for those of us who are less susceptible or less, uh, I guess, notice the input lag less or are less sensitive to it, I still feel like it's not an ideal uh, ideal way to play it. Phileos uh, from Namco has been released on Arcade Archives as of February 2nd, 2023. And uh, I'm glad to see this one because I want to say, I think maybe one of the one of the Namco Museum collections, or it might have been the last one that hit the PlayStation in Japan. The one that we didn't get over here might be the only time that that has ever been that the arcade version has ever been ported.
1: Was that the one with the exclamation mark?
0: Uh, a good it was question. just spelled
1: Namco, right? And when then there was like exclamation mark at the end of it. Yeah, It probably that's a good could question. have just put in T at the end of it. Now I think about for Namcot, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it 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 only ever got a port on the on the Genesis and Mega Drive right. before, and so uh, no, I guess it maybe it didn't. So this might be literally the. The first time that the arcade version has has actually seen release outside of arcades, so it's kind of exciting because I always liked the Genesis version, and and uh, so it's kind of cool that that the arcade game is finally getting uh, an opportunity to to get out there more.
1: Yeah, and especially if it's playable on the Switch. I mean, uh, latency and you know, <laughs> underperformance aside, on here I, uh, I'm not saying it will, but. I have found that having a switch light is a for the or even you know a regular switch what have you is a great way to just have a portable STG machine.
0: Yeah, and I mean just the fact that there are so many games, and of course, arcade archives releases generally speaking do have pretty good performance, even if they do lack a little bit in the in the quality of life features. Like save states.
1: Yeah, I I have to think that they probably built an engine. And that engine has just been repeated, you know, so they import the, make the changes they need to for the game itself. But the overall engine or framework stays the same. Right. All right. There's a new indie shmup called Flight Path that has released on Steam. Now, this seems sort of familiar in here, but I... Can't pull anything this late at night. Can you tell us more information on this?
0: Uh, not too much. I, I think I mentioned it uh, an episode or two ago that that it was uh, that it was coming up. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a sixteen by nine vertical type of game. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's got branching paths and and uh, you know complex storyline. But it came out on January 26th from Illogic Games. And, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of that sort of, I don't know, neon look to it. But it looks like it could be interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah, i have to give it a try. I mean, I'm always willing to try out Shmup, no matter uh, how, how waifu.
0: <laughs> and uh, there is a demo. Um, so you can always check it out. The you know the demo on Steam and see if it if it suits your fancy. Sounds good. For those who are unfamiliar, there was a series of of uh, games I guess you could call them or game makers in Japan during the eighties and nineties, the uh, Dezemon series, and it started out on the Famicom, and there were releases for many of the regular consoles. But effectively, what the Dizamon series was, uh, was it allowed you to create your own STG, or shooting games, and you could kind of design the games within the, the sort of constraints of the engine that was included on the, the cartridge or the disc, and then you could save those to memory. I, if memory serves, if, if I remember correctly... The Famicom version was a Famicom disk system game, so that then, or or it would allow you to save those to the Famicom disk system uh, itself. And so, um, in any event, there is a uh, there's a there's been a design on. Uh, game, a Famicom game that uh, apparently had a full game programmed on it, and I'm hoping that I get this right based on the screenshot. The The screenshot said Super LX2 S-AXS, which is a bit of a mouthful, but apparently this is a full Famicom shoot 'em up done within the Famicom DeZamon cartridge that has now been dumped. Um, so be watching your various internet portals and feeds for that um, that that's floating out there now in the interwebs
1: and you can play it on your PC it becomes <laughs> uh, Shmupception
0: that's pretty hard <laughs> to say <laughs> yeah something like that
1: you can play, play it on your nesticle that is uh, running <laughs> in a DOSBox emulator there you go alright so Grand Cross Renovation now has a new patch that adds a ship from Kamui as a playable alternate ship. Uh, Grand Cross Renovation, I, the name is definitely from am But I, I keep getting this confused with Grace Counter, and that's not right. Because Grace Counter GM no. just came out.
0: Yeah, Grand Cross Renovation came out last year, uh, 2022, and I want to say it was generally well-received, although I think people found it to be a little bit easy, but it's it's a it's definitely a very spectacle kind of game where you have the ability to create these huge lasers and cut down swaths of enemies and cancel bullets and stuff like that. Um, it's one that I want to try. and I know Ed was into it and Mark thought it was pretty cool although he did he also commented that it was too easy. But,
1: oh, um, this is the Radiant Silvergun one. <laughs> is that right?
0: Yeah, it's got a little bit of that vibe. And so, anyway, uh, but it's kind of cool that you know you've got the that you've got a, a classic Dojin STG ship showing up in this new Dojin STG game or you know STG. Uh, so it's kind of a kind of a neat deal.
1: Yeah, I, I assume the next DLC is probably Toho related.
0: <laughs> that um, would be a bit of a weird crossover.
1: <laughs> that Toho's and everything, I swear. I, I expect it'll be like a Toho chess now, Toho battle chess.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, overhead Tank Arena Shooter Grobda from Namco is now on Arcade Archives, and that came out February sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Have you ever messed with this one,
1: Grobda? No, I kept thinking about Granada, but that's not it.
0: Yeah, I, I see posts about this game on Twitter uh, on some of the some of the Japanese accounts that I follow, or that the podcast account follows. So when I'm scrolling through the feed, this one comes up semi-frequently. It sort of reminds me of, if you think about combat on the 2600, but more sophisticated, much better graphics, and single player. It, it kind of gives me a little bit of that vibe.
1: Oh, and according to the arcade player, it comes with speech. Maybe we'll get a B-52 bomb, or... (laughs) No, this looks... Yeah, it almost looks like, uh, I think, Xevious graphics, but you're playing with a a tank. Yeah, it really gives that combat vibe, too. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Uh, Again, definitely give it a try there. Although, I'm have so many SDGs to play. Maybe a little bit after Gunvane. Right. <laughs> a demo for Valfaris Mecha Therion is available on Steam now. It's sort of interesting. This first one was very you know heavy metal inspired and <clears throat> was more of a, a little bit more of a running gun. Well, i trying to remember, was it more run and gun or metro It's been a while I play, since i played it, but... I yeah, it's, I,
0: it's mostly run and gun with maybe some light exploration elements. Yeah,
1: I, I remember I definitely enjoyed the game, but the sequel is f- going full on SDG.
0: Yeah. Yeah, except uh, I guess the way I understand it is your your main weapon you can't always use. You have to charge it up by using your melee attack. So it'll be a little bit of a push-pull dynamic with the game.
1: Those are always good. I feel, yeah, if you want in the others, yeah, that's all, folks. No, push-pull dynamics are good. Just like with Gunvane, right? You always have to be mindful of your regular shot versus how much you're bombing on there. And it always keeps you engaged, so you're not really having a lull in the gameplay. I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, It should also have a a banging soundtrack like the first game did. Indie shooter Fiery Revis is now available on Steam. Uh, I had a chance to play this because the dev uh, reached out to me and uh, hooked me up with a code. And... I'm not sure what to say. The dev is is really um, is really excited about the genre and wants to make more games and and ask for feedback on the game. And I tried to be as constructive as I could. Uh, I do think the game has some issues, and I pointed those out. Um, but there's definitely potential there. Um, so while this may not be the the shmup for you, I would say watch the dev and uh, you know, pay attention and and, uh, and see if maybe you know some good things come here in the future.
1: Excellent. I'm looking forward to seeing some progress on it. So we had spoken about S Tribute earlier and it looks like Batsugan S tribute is slated for release on Nintendo Switch, PS4, mm-hmm. Xbox, and PC. I, mean, I I'm excited for Betsy again coming. I, I just, sorry, I hate to say it this way, but I, I wish it wasn't s tribute. I wish it was. done, done a, maybe this is one where I would have wished it was an M two port on there. It's right. I, I, I'm politely saying this. I, I. I the, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do with the S-Tribute Ports and bringing the Saturn versions mm-hmm. forward, but a, a lot of times they just don't seem to hand up to par. I'll, I will keep hopeful on this.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, based on the the agreements that are in place between Tetsugen Company and M2... We're going to get Batsugun through M2 at some point. My guess is they're going to go through the library and kind of do a lot of the older games first, and we'll start to see some of the later Plan stuff like Dogeon, like V5 and Grindstormer, like Batsugun later on. Um, and so my guess is that'll be one of the later... To a plan Arcade Garage releases. Um, in the meantime, you've got this if as a way to play, and I would imagine at some point BitWave games who have been doing the Steam ports of some of the ToaPlan games will eventually get around to porting this as well. Now, my understanding is that the BitWave ports have uh, had some issues, um, particularly some sound issues, and there have been some emulation problems and things. Uh, I'm hopeful that they can work those out. We do know, though, that M2, generally speaking, is able to to do a great job with these things. So, if it means that we have to wait a few years before we get the, the definitive version of this game, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, I... I... I think that most people who have played this or are, are, who are interested in this have played this via some way I right now. So I, I am fine waiting for quality. <laughs> what was it that uh, Miyamoto said a, a good game is uh, a, a delay game can still be great, but a rush game is bad forever or something similar to that?
0: Something along those lines, yeah.
1: I'm sure someone, someone's going to put in the comments with the correct quote. Yeah. And uh, speaking of misheard or mishandled things, hug survivor is the thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I stumbled across this in one of the one of the shmup discords, but hug survivor, which is a uh, kind of a ripoff of the sudden phenomenon that is vampire survivor uh but with a cute art style and i guess a hug mechanic i don't know i i figured it's it's schmuppy enough that i would include it there is probably someone who will think this is cute and fun and want to play it
1: that's all i'm going to say on that all right. <laughs> uh fourth upcoming atari link shooter microvaders has a beta out available from somber productions I am happy to see any new software for the Lynx. There Just... I don't think it gets enough homebrew love, so... More software out there, and especially for a schmop. Go for it.
0: Yeah. And this, this looks like a neat little game. Uh, one of the cool things is that, much like the Gauntlet game that's on the Lynx, or the Lynx port of Raiden that happened, this is... This is one of those games where you turn your links on the side and you play it, I guess, tate mode, if you will. Um, D. Tungsten uh, downloaded the the beta and was messing around with it on his Mister recently, and uh, I saw him play it on stream. and It looks like a competent little, a competent little uh, Galaga Space Invaders type of game. Um, definitely challenging, so could be could be worth a look
1: yeah something to use my links for other than clacks
0: exactly <clears throat> um Chunderfins, the developer behind hazelnut hex is already working on a new shoot'em up um it, it uses the same kind of bright pink and purple aesthetic or color scheme, but uh using a much more traditional kind of spaceship theme and and uh, look and feel
1: hazelnut so hex is. Yeah, it's one of the ones that keeps being pushed up there as one of the more interesting games out there on the eShop or in the Dojin games. I'm hoping that we can fit that in sometime within the next year for giving that that game a try. It it just looks like an interesting premise and interesting storyline. I I get a very cotton vibe from it. How about you?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely cotton vibe.
1: Uh, And speaking of revivals, here we have Pocky and Rocky Reshrined, which hit Steam on February 24th. And from what I have played of it, it's quite a good port and quite a good game.
0: Awesome. This is more arcade archive news, but uh, developer Alomar is now Fair Game. Um, I can't remember the name of the game, but there's something that Alomar developed that has recently been slated for release through Arcade Archives. It's not a shmup. But this opens up the possibility of some of the shooters that they've developed, like Mad Shark, which I think is uh, is a solid enough uh, kind of Raiden, Twin Cobra-style game, and also Reason, which is um, kind of a I guess you could call it bootleg R-Type. I know DJ Psycho M1 has a Ries on board and uh, has played that on stream. So, kind of cool to see that they are uh, that they are uh, going to be an available property.
1: Always excited to see more stuff coming to Arcade Archives. I know that we talked a little bit earlier about Bitwave Games. It looks like they have a new widescreen mode for Twin Cobra. Which will have its own leaderboard and it'll allow you to see enemies sooner as they spawn in from the side. That's our interest. Yeah, this is type of stuff that, um, like, for I, mean, I know Vesara um, did a uh, versus ono mode that was similar to this here. And heck, we all know that some uh, sami some could easily benefit from this mode as well.
0: Yeah, this this is the kind of thing though that I like. You know, for whatever. Whatever issues Bitwave has right now with getting the emulation right, this is the kind of feature set that I think is a fun way to sort of innovate with an old game and give it a fresh coat of paint. So I'm hoping we see more of this from them while they also continue to improve their emulation. Uh, the, uh, speaking of tollplan, since we were, uh, talking about them here their uh, the next toll plan arcade garage release has been officially announced. It's called zero fire, which will compile zero wing and hellfire. Uh, as far as I know, there's no word yet on what, uh, what the non STG will be featured as either part of the collection or DLC, uh, cause they've been doing that with these previous releases, but that's pretty exciting. Um, and I want to say, I don't know if it was, I think it was Bitwave maybe, that was looking at including somehow the meme of All Your Base in their Steam release. I don't know if that's something that M2 would do, but it would be kind of funny if they found a way to sort of code in the arcade version somehow the uh, the All Your Base meme. Particularly now with the uh, All Your Base or Belong to plan documentary in the works.
1: See, I thought the Bitwave version did not have the uh, All Your Base or the European translation.
0: Yeah, I don't think it does now, but I think they were talking about...
1: Oh, it's uh, DLC?
0: <laughs> well, doing something to update it so that you could activate that or oh, you know, okay. have that included.
1: Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, ABC start.
0: (laughs) Something like that.
1: (laughs) No, uh, this is good. I'm definitely looking forward to M2 proper port for uh, Zero Wing and Hellfire. Now, did they mention if Hellfire S will be on that collection?
0: I haven't seen any information on that, but I'm kind of hoping that it will be.
1: The uh, very Anified version here. Right animated version of hellfire yeah it's and then you've got the two two versions for the genesis right the one with the uh, sound chip the one with slow down and yeah it, it, hellfire is an interesting game i mean zero Wing, of course is infamous but uh hellfire has its own different and weird kooky versions as well yep the forthcoming m2 port of ddp doj has officially been named as Dodonpachi Blissful Death Reincarnation which no I like these titles I think they should just go 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 with it go full way right let's just go uh, Dodonpachi Blissful Death Reincarnation Black Label Extra Plus Edition
0: <laughs> Well I have a feeling that this will include Black Label and, Yeah that uh, makes sense I know Mark is excited about it because I know he was not he was not happy with the 360 version of Black Label, so I suspect M2 will will do a good job to bring that forward and uh, make that make that run properly.
1: Yeah, the 360 is the only port of Black Label, right?
0: As far as I'm aware, yes. Okay. There's a there's a new video out from Lazy Devs on their YouTube channel called Shmup Words that it's a sort of glossary of shooting game terminology with explanations and visual examples this is a pretty cool little video and I definitely enjoyed watching it Uh, so go check that out
1: yeah, expand your shmupinary (laughs) Dead End City has released a 1.1 update and a new highway mode which is a 2 minute score attack slash caravan style mode, oh a new caravan style shooter
0: Yeah, this is a cool game. Um, Sort of like Galaga 88 meets Mad Max.
1: Sounds fun to me.
0: If that sounds good, go check it out. Super Hydora is getting a North American Switch release, and you can pre-order now on Amazon. Uh, This game has has seen a bunch of releases.
1: I think they're all through a limited run games, aren't
0: they? (laughs) Well... No, I mean, they've done that a couple of times, because, well, you had Hydora on PC, then you had Super Hydora, which was essentially that game, but uh, the original Hydora, but beefed up and with more content, and then that hit Steam. Then you had the physical PS4 version through Limited Run, and then they more recently did a, a Switch version through Limited Run, and now it's going to get a full-on, uh, I guess, more regular retail release. So it's good to see that this game has legs, because it's a good game.
1: Yeah, it's a very Gradius-style game. The other game that the developer made that, that was, became famous pretty quickly, I, I wish they would do a, a full release on, is uh, Cursed Castilia Oh, yes. because I, I definitely enjoyed that game. That was a lot of fun. But the prices for the... Uh, The PS4 and the Vita versions are pretty pricey. I mean, they're not quite Devil's Third money, but they're pretty close.
0: Yeah. Well, almost anything earlier limited run tends to skyrocket. Hamster has filed trademarks uh, in Japan on February 9th for Shienryu and Warashi. And there's some speculation that this might mean that uh, an Arcade arcades release could be coming. I'm curious about that because um, my understanding, after doing a little bit of reading on this, is that apparently Hamster was involved in the PlayStation version of Ryu, which we got over here in North America as Gekkyo Shooting King. So... I'd be curious to know. I mean, Warashi has done several, several games because you've got Shienryu, and you've got, um, you've got Sengeki Striker, and I'm trying to think of what one of the others that they've done. Um, uh, was it Trigger Heart Exelica? Is that Warashi? Am I thinking that correctly? <clears throat> I might have to, dub, uh, I might have to check myself before I wreck myself here. But uh, yeah, so they did Shienryu, Sengeki Striker, which is the the sequel, Shienryu Explosion, Trigger Heart Exelica. Yeah, so they've done a few things, but it would be interesting to see. Shienryu was an STV game which is a Sega Titan video. That's essentially the... the, uh... arcade equivalent of a Sega Saturn. So naturally it got a Sega Saturn port. But... it did also get the... Uh, the PlayStation port... like I said... as Gekio... Shooting King. And so... Uh, yeah. And, and Hamster did that. So... It would be interesting to, to see if they would somehow either bring forward Shienryu just as the arcade game, or if they would somehow port forward Gekio and bring some of the other some of the other stuff. Because the PlayStation version had a bunch of extra content, uh, some different modes on the game, which were more of a novelty but still kind of fun to play with. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And and speaking of possibilities here, Hamster has announced Sky Kid Deluxe coming to the arcade archive soon. Sky Kid is also like a guilty pleasure of mine. I suck at the game pretty bad, but it's always fun to play for a couple of minutes on here. It's a very early Namco or napkin of game where you, it, it's uh, it's so weird because if you look at the japanese one the japanese one is all about anthropomorphic animals you know doing w uh, world war one dog fights and stuff but the when it comes to north american they change it to look sort of like the guy on the red bear and pizza box huh <laughs> dropping pizzas Oh, great. Now All I right. just gave someone an idea here. Let's just mod Sky Kid here. We'll do a ROM hack and we'll change to the Red Baron from the Red Baron Pizza. And he's trying to <laughs> kill the Noid.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No, I'm definitely looking for it. Sky Kid, as I mentioned, is a guilty pleasure. And, and funnily enough, the uh, that game skyrocketed in price right after the angry video game nerd and uh, Mike Matei talked about it for like 30 minutes. Showed it on there. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the NES version, you mean?
1: Yeah, the NES version. It like, jumped from like a, a 10 or $15 game to like a 40 to $50 game right after they talked about it. Wow. Uh, YouTube <clears throat> effect.
0: Yeah, the, the nerd effect. Huh. Something that I found here recently uh, that I stumbled across on Twitter is that you know, there've been all these mini arcade consoles like the the Blast City Mini and the Blast uh, or Astro City Mini, I should say, the Astro City Mini V, uh, the Egret Two Mini, and and the Neo Geo Minis and all that stuff. Well, apparently there's a Visco Mini that came out recently, and I did not know about this until just uh, a few days ago. Um, but this has a handful of shooters on it. Uh, it's got some Neo Geo stuff and, and a few other things. So it's got Andro Dunos, Asuka and Asuka, Captain Tomade, which was a Neo Geo game along with Andro Dinos. It's got Galmedes and then also UN Defense Force Earth Joker. So, uh, I don't know that anything in there is what I would call essential. Galmedes is an interesting one. Um... But uh, it's kind of—I don't know—it's kind of cool that it happened, even if, even if Visco is maybe not considered a top-tier developer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of the things now with all these little mini consoles that I like the idea of. But I don't know how many of these mini arcade cabinets people actually need. I mean, what point of saturation have we hit now? It seems well, like the, there's a Sega E-Grid. There's like three of those now. I, I'm just sort of seeing a future where we end up like we did with all the uh, Coleco different versions, right? Where they had the Pac-Man, the Donkey Kong, Galaxian. Um, I, I do like the Zaxxon one, but the, I, I'm just sort of wondering if we're headed towards that future again.
0: I think the fact that we have a Visco mini now... Might just be the indicator that we've, that we've jumped the shark in, the, in, the, in that regard.
1: Maybe. Yeah, I of <laughs> looking along the same lines with the arcade one up. You know, I see a lot of people putting those up there, and I can see how people get enjoyment out of these. Don't get me wrong. I just wonder, like, fifteen years from now, are you going to see these with like someone's trying to get rid of them, like they're trying to get rid of a, a pool table or a ping pong table, and you just see or see them exiting in mass. Yep. In Schnup. (laughs) Schnup. (laughs) Schnup. In Schmup adjacent news, M2 is doing Assault Suits Valken Declassified, coming to Switch in spring 2023. All right. More M2 stuff. Always welcome.
0: Absolutely. I saw this on on, uh, Twitter, and I thought this was pretty cool. One of the Mikado arcade locations in Japan apparently now has a working Variant Schwarzer, which is an unreleased late 90s STG from Seda, and it runs on the ALEC64 hardware, uh, which is kind of a Nintendo 64-based deal, and that's the same hardware that Star Soldier Vanishing Earth ran on.
1: I love the Alex 64 hardware. I was able to track one down in 2000, and it came with a, a, a pink uh, soccer game. It was a pink cartridge. It was a lot of fun to have those different interchangeable cartridges. The only other arcade game that came out on the N64 har- for hardware that I'm aware of, besides the Alex 64 system, was uh, the Magical Tetris uh, Mickey's Challenge. And that specifically on the board has a Nintendo 64 logo.
0: Mm, right. Yeah, so, so kind of cool that they have this and that it's working. Um, my hope is that eventually this game will will see a dump, a ROM dump at some point. I know that they're a bit less prone to doing that in Japan, but this would be another one of those where if Seda could somehow participate with Hamster in the Arcade Archives line it'd be nice to get a handful of uh of their titles
1: yeah forget the uh, goldeneye coming to the nintendo switch online service you bring this there and i'll pay for it Ah, there you go so mighty doom has been announced for mobile devices which is a top-down running gun in the doom universe and i don't know what is this doom meets contra what is this
0: yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I saw a trailer on this, and I think there were a lot of people scratching their heads, but, you know, for a phone game, it looks like it could be fun.
1: And whenever I think of a game that involves the word Mighty, and similar to this, I think of Mighty Goose.
0: Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, YouTuber Chris B. Chips has released a Star Fox 30th anniversary documentary. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but go check that out.
1: Sounds good. Atari has released a new Aka R game out, done by Jeff Minter, available on Steam. Now, this game, they made, what was it, three cabinets? And I know yeah. the, the DJ Cycle was able to go visit one of them before it was sold, but it wasn't the one that was used from the ROM dump for this release, correct?
0: Well, this release is is a brand new game that was done by Jeff Minter that is in the style of the original arcade game. Um, it actually looks a bit tame, I'll say, for a Jeff Minter game, but that's probably a good thing. Uh, there's still, you know, flashing effects and a little bit of psychedelic kind of look to it, but... It does look a little bit uh, subdued compared to some of the other stuff that he's done.
1: Well, if it has llamas, I'm in.
0: <laughs> I didn't see any, but uh, who knows? They're they're probably hidden in there somewhere. Uh, the Night Witch Deluxe Edition is up for pre-order on Amazon for Switch, PS4, PS5, and Xbox. And so this, uh, I guess I'll call it Shmuproidvania, that we talked about here uh, within the last few episodes in the news, is now is now getting a physical release on consoles.
1: Yeah, I had a chance to try the PC version, and I've been enjoying my time with it. It's, it's always interesting to see what will come out of Team 17, which is the people who did uh, Blasphemous. They pu- published Worms, and then they published uh, Yoko, uh, the male g- Yoko, uh, the, the beetle who... D- dumb beetle who delivers mail yoko's island express
0: so I, oh right
1: yeah they, they're always willing to give new ideas there i'm always interested to see what they'll come up with next i, I think they're uh, also that was it gleek or gleam it wasn't yeah, gleam or what were the um we switched between three people and, and that was a metroidvania as well Like i guess they're doing a lot of different takes <laughs> metroidvania slightly but I, I enjoyed that one as well. But as far as Night Witch is, uh, is concerned, it definitely uh, leans more towards the exploration than the uh, bullet shooter. I mean, you definitely do fire bullets and you get different special patterns on there based upon cards, but... it. It, those expecting some sort of gun vein or Don Maku style gameplay—that's not what you're going to get here. You're going to get um, you're going to get STG combat with cards. Uh, cards that really, like, give you a spread shot or s- stuff like that. But it's it's not just pure STG action all the time, right? A new game called Jesh, aka Just a Shmup, released on Steam February twenty fourth. 2023, and developer is Choke D Game, which looks inspired by R-Type Final 2, but also has non-shmup levels, like over at Run-A-Gun or Into the Screen Warp Speed Flight. This thing is interesting. I, I, it, it's very much inspired by R-Type, but then it switches out into like a twin stick or something on there. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I gotta try this out and see. But I know it was one of those passion projects by someone who, as you can tell if you look at the trailer, really, really loves R-Type.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the shooting game sections definitely look like they could be, you know, cutting room floor content for R-Type Funnel 2. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The into the screen kind of warp speed thing that was interesting because it looks like instead of shooting, it's almost like the arcade bonus stages from Gradius Three, uh, where your your view is behind the ship and you're trying not to run into walls and things. Except in this, based on the trailer, it looked like you're trying to dodge space debris and other ships as you're going uh, hyper speed through uh, through space and so you're moving around in this in this 2D space but trying to dodge things as they're as they're approaching your ship so i don't know uh, it could be interesting
1: now i uh, just want to make a quick point regarding r type final 2 here i i don't think they left anything on the cutting room floor that's why they have r type final 3 <laughs> uh
0: touche uh There's an unreleased arcade game called Sega Sonic Cosmo Fighter that has apparently now been dumped. And from what I understand, based on the little bit of video footage I saw, it is a cute STG with very large sprites. And there are voice samples in it as well. And there's just a little bit of footage out there right now of the game. But I guess it's been dumped, and the initial, I guess, build in MAME... That supports the game works. I don't know if how well it works or or how accurate it is at this point, but it's out there. If you want to check out a legit Sonic the Hedgehog shoot 'em up,
1: those are words I weren't on my 2023 bingo card.
0: Exactly.
1: SDG Weekly will be covering DITANA Twin B on March 3rd, 2023, with expert player Refkey. Yeah, I always like the Twin B games, but I, I'm not that great in them, so I I can't juggle the bells very well. So, yeah. uh, looking forward to watching this one.
0: Yeah, and Refkey has been grinding Twin B because uh, I follow on on Twitter, and uh, so it'll be it'll be cool to see a, a high level run. Uh, by the time this episode is edited and out, it'll probably be, be probably be past March third, but. You know, you'll still be able to check it out on the SDG Weekly YouTube channel. Uh, there is a new Dreamcast shooter in development that I was completely unaware of until I stumbled across it on Twitter here recently, but it's called Metal Canary, and it uh, looks promising. Looks like a bit of an old school shoot 'em up but... Um, you know, not something that probably at this point in the development looks like it uses all the power of the Dreamcast, but shooting games rarely do. Uh, either way, you know, it's it's more an, another new game for the Dreamcast, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more.
1: Definitely. And, you know, you could say the Dreamcast is probably one of the easier systems to get your game out on just because the <clears throat> media can be reproduced a lot cheaper than having to put on carts uh yeah all right zazan Zen- Zenny at WL Walter 33565 on twitter who created hellblasters is working on another vertical stg with a focus on punching
0: yeah, and I saw this on Twitter, and and the focus on punching is something that I pulled directly from the tweet. And th- again, the Hellblasters got got pretty good uh, pretty good reviews, I think overall, and people were generally enjoying the game. Um, but yeah, it looks like this maybe has a more of a melee element, so that could be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, some other shmups that have melee elements on there. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking that, uh, Radiant Silvergun sort of does.
0: Right. And I mean, everything, everything from Milestone.
1: Yeah. Oh, geez, Milestone, yeah. Great, you had to remind me, didn't you, about Dispatch Games?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's all right. Uh, And there's one last thing I want to add on here, uh, for those of you who are looking forward to trying out Soulstar, it just got a physical release through Red Art Games. Yeah, definitely give it a try. I had a lot of fun with that game.
0: Yeah, and I want to say it's getting. Uh, do we do have we heard about a an official you um, North American release yet?
1: Not that I'm aware, but if it's done through Red Art, it wouldn't surprise me if they just make you know U.S. copies as well. And as weird as it sounds. Red Art seems to have this weird relationship with Target, where it, like just show up on their website versus you know going to Amazon. I don't know what the, what the thing is there, but you could pre-order uh, what was that, oh, Delith and Wonder Labyrinth that showed up on pre-order oh. at Target before it showed up anywhere on Amazon. So, right. Here's hoping it comes uh, to the states.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay, well, that's all the shmup news that you can use, at least for now.
1: So, let's talk about our shmup of the month for January 2023, what feels like it's now April 2023. (laughs) And that was uh, gunmetal, right? No, uh, metal black. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so... Let's talk about the game that we played for January 23 in 2023, and that was Metal Black. Now, uh, we had a good participation for Metal Black. and They were Mighty Squirrel, Zoido, Goji Guy, or also known as 13AM Alex, Schlarp, Geriatric Dem- uh <coughs> I feel like I'm having Geriatric dom Micro Attack here. Uh, Geriatric Don Maku, Corkman, Orc Commander, SPM, D- and D. Tunston.
0: Yeah. So, just a little bit of, uh, initial info here about the game. Um, it was, of course, developed and published by Taito in 1991. It runs on the Taito F1 hardware. And, uh, funny enough, this is the only shooting game that's on that platform. Uh, other notable F1 games include, uh, Camel Cameltry or Camel Tree, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, Dead Connection, Don Ducko Don, which is a single screen uh, action platformer game, uh, Drift Out, which was actually a Visco game, the um, quite out there beat 'em up Puli Rula, and the uh, run and gun action game Thunderfox. Now, as you may or may not know, this game sort of started life as Project Gun Frontier 2 because some of the team from that game uh, worked on on this game. But it didn't really pan out that way, and even though it says Project Gun Frontier 2 in the game's attract mode, it really doesn't have much of a connection to to Gun Frontier other than primarily the uh, the designer of the game was the same for gun frontier and Metal black and one other game. Uh, at some point during the development cycle, there was talk about this becoming the third game in the Darius series and they even looked at doing a two-screen cabinet similar to what they did with Darius 2 but due to the darker tone and art style and so forth, it sort of shifted away from the Darius uh, name and uh, became its own thing.
1: Yeah, they could have called it Darius Black Label.
0: (laughs) There you go. Darius After Dark.
1: Only if you include flying toasters.
0: Yeah. The game was uh, produced by Takamasa Hori, designed by Takatsuna Senba, programmed by Naoya Kuroki, uh, Takamasa Tarabar Hori, and uh, Takashi Seguchi. There is art by Ono Wepokichi and Takatsuna Senba. And the music was done by Yasuhisha Watanabe, otherwise known as Yak, a Zuntada alum. Uh, It was developed uh, side-by-side with Dino Rex, the third and final game done by Takatsuna Senba. And uh, apparently he left Taito and game development after that. Um, Dino Rex was uh, very poorly received, and uh, I don't know if that was the reason that he left. But uh, in any event, these are the only three games that he made.
1: Yeah, I see it often cited that he left because of the Dino Rex was a fighting game that just didn't pan out. I'm trying to think, this was 90, when it was Dino Rex, was that 92,
0: 93?
1: 92. 92, so this would have been right around Street Fighter 2, I can understand why You know, everyone was trying yeah. to get, jump on that bandwagon.
0: The interesting thing is if you look at Dino Rex, it almost looks like a like a prototype for Primal Rage.
1: Well, hopefully it doesn't have uh, <laughs> the finishing moves being farting or burping or something like that.
0: <laughs> Come on, everybody loves farting monkeys. Oh,
1: uh, yes. Although, <laughs> you, uh, every time someone mentions Primal raid, I'm trying to remind it of the Jaguar version with someone trying to input the the, the fatality codes on that, or the special moves. Oh, <laughs> it's like, it's, Yeah, it's like trying to input the fatality codes on touch-tone phone. Uh, yeah. Uh, press 375 to input a Duken.
0: In. <laughs> um, let's see, there was a Saturn port released in 1996, but only in Japan, though uh, it sold well enough to get a second run. And it was included in the Title Legends 2 release, um, and is available in all three versions. That came out on PS2, Xbox, and PC, um, which was released in 2006 in Australia and the European Union, and then 2007 in North America, and then in the 2005 title Memories collection in Japan.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it came out on... The, the Xbox version was Japan only, but the PS2 version came out in America. Am I remembering mm-hmm. that right?
0: No, actually the Xbox version... Uh, I think was Europe. Europe
1: only. Europe only. Okay.
0: Yeah, but my understanding is that the, for whatever reason, the European Xbox disc will boot in a North American system. So I don't know if that means it's just the game that's region free or what. Um,
1: Maybe at I, that point they're t- just happy about an Xbox game.
0: <clears throat> I tried to get my hands on a copy of that a while back, but it's kind of gone up in price.
1: Well, with the the Xbox version, you you could have the effect as you had with the uh, when we talked about Capcom earlier with the Eco Fighters, right? The p, the Xbox version was very sought after for the longest time and very expensive compared to the PS two version. The PS two version was four eighty i only. Well, the Xbox version is four eighty p, so it may be something similar to that. Could be. Gotta have that p. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, the, uh, there was an Arcade Archives version released of Metal Black, of course, November of 2022 on Nintendo Switch and PS4. And as we mentioned before in the news section, the Metal Black S-Tribute from City Connection came out in February of this year, 2023, for the Xbox platform and PC, and is an emulation of the Saturn release.
1: Yeah, and going, um, going back quickly to the developer one of the developers who started on this he was in animation before I can't remember he was a pixel artist for this game oh yes which one was that
0: uh, I don't remember for sure they mentioned it on the STG Weekly episode but I don't remember which which artist for sure it was
1: yeah, because he, he had originally started in animation and just finished up on doing Char's counter attack before or switching careers to being a art director for Taito, and then Metal Black I think was his first game that he had worked on. Wow, it's a little interesting to see, see. I mean, quite a, a tonal shift. I mean, it's still art, but you know, anime to uh, pixels.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I I took the story from the shmups.wiki page. You better read this
1: in your world voice.
0: An abridged version of the story, because there's definitely a lengthy story, but... In 2042, a phantom companion star suddenly appears in Jupiter's orbit, raining meteorites upon the Earth, whilst simultaneously an alien force known as Nemesis invades the planet, decimating the Earth forces with their beam weapons powered by energy known as New Alone. In the face of almost total destruction of the Earth, a peace treaty is signed. Project Metal Black, a military endeavor that uses the alien's own beam technology, is is frozen permanently. In 2052, a rogue pilot named in supplemental materials as John Ford commandeers a Blackfly ship, the result of the Metal Black project. He takes the fight to the aliens in violation of the treaty in an attempt to save what remains of Earth. So there you go.
1: Yeah, you know, I the intro for this was funny too, talking about how the Earth had been decimated and we were headed towards silence times. Got a little yeah. iron gish, but it, yeah, it It's definitely an interesting story and one that is uh, very similar to what you might come with a Darius game. I and mean, there's many similarities, which I'm sure we'll go fire. for later though the thing that strikes me is John Ford. I don't know if somebody was a fan of westerns because John Ford was a very well known and prolific dr- director of western movies around this time so I, I don't know if that was there or if that's just a coincidence
0: You wonder if that's if that is uh, another connection to Gun Frontier because with Gun Frontier being a sort of <laughs> I guess you could call it well, I don't know how often I'll make this reference on the podcast, but if you think about the uh, Will Smith movie Wild Wild West, which is like Wild West as steampunk. Um, you know, that that's kind of what you have with Gun Frontier. So you wonder if that was if that was maybe a a subtle nod to the previous game.
1: Maybe, maybe we're all just living in the 90s headed towards a Wild Wild West. That could be. Except now you're probably going to get running in the 90s, stuck head. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so let's talk really quickly about this new new alone. So, as you, we t- spoke earlier, the Earth had been decimated and mined for all of its text maxims. So there were, you know, it was on the verge of silent times. Or the, the earth so here comes this alien force nemesis with New Alone, which is a titified version of the word nuance. It, it's sort of weird to see this g- game, or the neurons, which I've heard jokingly refer to as everlasting gobstoppers, uh, show up in, in the titoverse. I wonder, can I can I trademark that, titoverse? But it, it, hmm. they the uh, everlasting gobstoppers, or the uh, neurons, actually have the corrected name show up in the Space Invaders Infinity game. It's the same exact looking power-up, but in in, the, in that game they're called Neurons. And that game came out for, what was it, iOS, Android, and the Xbox 360 of all things. Right. So we may have to cover that just to be able to say the word new, Neurons or new alones. But every time someone talks about the Neuralones... I, I always think of uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance you know, with, with that darn meme at the very end, where guy de- just how he describes how he's gonna defeat the main character, and even though he's injured and he heals himself in less than a minute and just hits himself and says "nano machine, son," sort of <laughs> feel, feel the, <laughs> sort of the way here, he just go goes new alone, son. <laughs> uh. Yeah.
0: Um, so despite the game's dark tone and, and kind of foreboding atmosphere, you could tell that the development team had a sense of humor because there are a bunch of Easter eggs in the game related to the high score table. Um, on When you look at it, there are several default high scores in there, and the initials that are in there, some of those, if you use those initials, will trigger certain effects. A couple of examples being um, one of the default high scores is TEN, is the initials. And so if you put TEN in the high score table, you'll get a sound effect, and then you'll see several of these kind of snake enemies that you find in the game appear on screen and kind of dart around um, on screen there. Or if you put in the initials AGA, uh, the high-score table screen has these colored fish, robot fish, that kind of s- swim or fly around. And if you put in the U- or, uh, AGA, then those fish sprites will sort of turn and look at you, <laughs> which is kind of a funny little thing.
1: It's funny a little creepy, too, but not as creepy as the cat we'll talk about later.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, also, um some of the unused graphics in the game were repurposed for a what I'll call a special edition of the game uh, It's that was done by uh, the aforementioned uh, Takamasa Tarabar Hori heretofore known as Tarabar but uh, it, it shows up on the title screen as 19th Moon Metal Black GF-2 Tarabar Edition. And this is literally a one-off arcade board that's kind of a I guess you could call it an arrange mode of of Metal Black. As far as I'm aware, Tarabar owns this board and it doesn't get out much but occasionally shows up in Japanese arcades. There are literally two videos on YouTube showcasing this game. One that is a uh, sort of hand cam kind of recording of just the attract mode. It's about a minute and a half. And then another video that's uh <clears throat> seven and a half, eight minutes, something like that, that is I think is a direct capture from the hardware and shows someone going into the service menu and then activating uh the uh the games, the tarabar game versions, stage two which is sort of a remix, if you will, of Stage 2 and Stage 3 from the original game with some new enemies added. There's a new um, speed power-up capsule that you can get that will make the ship fly way faster um, if you collect several of them. And then... Those fish that we mentioned on the game over screen. There's a couple of stages in this in the game where you'll get this this flying fish enemy that will shoot these purple things at you. But in this version, you actually get several of those multi multiple colors of these fish robot things on screen that all do beam attacks at you. Uh, it's pretty wild. Um, I would love to say at some point that that we could maybe get a a dump of that board, but since there's literally one in existence chances are probably slim that it'll ever happen
1: in m2 we trust
0: yeah but uh, the there are some notable differences as well the uh, the copyright notice says for use in tomo only um and according to the the information I found, there's also there's no third and fourth stage. Um, the second stage is titled "Extra Stage." That's the one I was talking about. And the background music is called "Happy New Year." And then in the final stage, you get a different pattern and different enemies, and the ending is different. Um, so, yeah. And finally, the Hiroyuki Maruyama, who's a producer for G-Rev, is apparently a big fan of Metal Black, and that game was a chief inspiration for his game, Border Down, that pays tribute to it and is considered by some to be a spiritual successor, in part because most of the G-Rev staff are former Taito employees, and Yak, who composed the soundtrack for Metal Black, also did the soundtrack for Border Down. Good stuff. So there you have it.
1: Yeah, I was uh, really impressed to see on the opening stage with the uh, different videos that were playing in the background. Uh, I swear, 99% of the time I got Zuntada, but uh, (laughs) it was interesting to see footage of their own concerts in the game. I thought that was a nice touch.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the first stage.
1: Yep, that very iconic first stage. In fact, very. speaking of that, hasn't the uh, the second stage is music track that's been remixed? Wasn't that part of that reuse for Border Down?
0: Oh, uh, that's a that good correctly? question. I know that I know that some Metal Black music has been remixed and used in other games. Um, there's at least one song from Metal Black that is in one of the Taiko no Tatsujin games.
1: Maybe that's why I'm thinking we step border down. Still, it's right. The first and second stage, especially the second stage, music is right up there with gallantry as far as being some of the more iconic shmup
0: <clears throat> music. Yeah.
1: So now we've got a chance to go over the overview. Let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. So, if you take the arcade stick and you press it up, the ship goes up. If you take the arcade <laughs> stick and you press down, the ship goes down. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so now that we've given some background on the game, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. The game is a two-button game. Uh, a button fires your main weapon. You hold A initially burst rapid fire, but then your fire rate slows way down. And I, I think that this was done primarily to stop people from just leaving auto fire and forgetting it because a lot of the later stages, especially last boss, auto-fire can make a huge difference on your ability to manage or juggle all of the enemies that are on screen, so they wanted you to it leads to a little bit of a weird t- tapping that has to be done, right? A weird rhythm. It's almost like a, a, a Ben Mani game on <laughs> their You have to you have to really get in the, in the rhythm of it. I, did you uh, end up just switching over to MAME and playing with uh, full auto-fire?
0: Yeah, regardless of whether I played on MAME or on Arcade Archives, yeah, 30 hertz auto-fire all the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, most of the people will tell you that, that playing full auto was the way to go on this. So the, I realize why they did this in order to make sort of balance out the gameplay, but it, it just... It feels sort of weird it's it's like a half step it's not quite fully there you know it's it's different definitely different feel to it so yeah if if the a button is your primary fire what is the b button the button b button activates your beam when held down or bomb when it's released and the interesting thing about the B button is you start off by collecting neurons or new alones. And you build up your meter. And that meter, as you build up your meter, your shot also increases. But interesting enough, your meter is also your bomb. So as soon as you hit that B button, you're going to sacrifice your meter in order to either have a screen clearing bomb. If you get up to full stage six. Or stage five, you're going to have like a hyper beam that you get with which you Darius and no matter what you do, as soon as you hit that B button, you're going to expend that full meter and you're going to go back to one. So it's always important right. to make sure that you either have enough or that you're strategically using your bombas in order to kill all the enemies in screen. Now, normally you get up to level five, I think, is when you still have beam. And then you go higher than that, you get up to six, which gets you the string clearing bomb. <laughs> And well,
0: you can you can bomb at five or six. oh five okay, yeah
1: yeah the the interesting thing which I like about this game and they put in with G that was later ported to G Darius was the beam duels they're 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 very cool looking they don't have anything to do with survival or with score but they still look cool mm-hmm. and you, you have to. You know, constantly mash the buttons as as you're flying through, just like you do in g There, It's definitely a cool concept, but it, it's not needed for the core gameplay for survival or for scoring high. In fact, if, if you don't have your meter at at least 75%, it's not even worth doing because you're going to lose. Right. There's a couple of interesting things to be aware of when you are... <clears throat> when you first start out with metal black one is that your hitbox it's not quite done maku but it's it's elongated right it's narrow but it's elongated. so it's got a different hitbox than most of your standard shmups I wouldn't definitely call it maku but it's you can squeeze through more than you would normally deal with in your standard SDG. The other interesting part is when you start building up your meter and you get high enough, the hitbox of your bullets, of your regular fire, is a lot larger than the anything your ship will provide. So you can actually use this, just as you like. normally use your options and Gradius to deal some extra damage and be invulnerable, you can use that in the same way to great effect.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of liken it to sort of an early version of what you would see later in Dome Patch and dodon Patch when you're using the focus shot, the laser, you've got this aura around your ship. And so your, the aura can damage enemies that are in close proximity. And it's kind of similar to that to a lesser extent, where the size of your shots, the, the size of the sprites that make up your, your regular shots, are not the whole picture. <clears throat> you actually have coverage above and below that damages enemies. And so it's sort of a proximity effect, if you will.
1: Yeah, and I th- think that stage two is where I first had uh, to be aware of that, with the um, missiles or rockets that would split into two. Uh, how you could just sort of position yourself a little bit below and then use your fire to quickly take care of those and be, still be safe. Yep. So, speaking of the stages here. Metal Black is broken up into six different stages. We have the iconic level one, Down to Earth, which starts you off in a sort of like this ruined Earth, or you're flying through this cityscape, and, and it's was supposed to be a seabed. Because you'll notice there'll be all sorts of stuff in the background, like a sub, a dry dock sub, or uh, the one of the bosses of Darius Two uh, makes an appearance. This giant enemy hermit crab with a aircraft carrier on its back. You hit its weak spot for massive damage. <laughs> uh, <let's> see, <laughs> there's the, the projection screen that's there that plays Zuntada's music videos about 90% of the time. And then there's a video of somebody doing the kick. And I think there's a third one, I can't remember. Do you remember which one it was?
0: No, I don't think I ever saw it, though.
1: Oh, okay. And, and let's see, what else is there within stage one? Stage one, you fight against these, look like mutated frogs. I don't know, Frogger's Revenge? <laughs> out yeah, there. They- but it, it's a pretty easy stage, but at the same time, it does a really good job of showing the parallax effects and giving you a feel for how far the Earth has fallen. Really, really does a great job of setting the mood. And then the end boss is this giant, something like an insect. But I swear, like half of these enemies look like they could have come out of a Metroid game. You know the, the final bosses.
0: Yeah the the stage one boss is known as Apartheid, and yeah, it's this sort of weird insect robot kind of thing, but maybe more crustacean than insect. Yeah, I don't know.
1: And you know, if it's known as apartheid, why don't we get Nelson Mandela in order to deal with it instead of the black fly? I don't.
0: Yeah, we could just use the Mandela effect.
1: Oh, and we could. <laughs> no, it's just a weird name for that boss. I don't know what they call apartheid, but I mean, this is not the only spot where the boss shows up, right? It shows up in ghost form on I think stage five,
0: right? And then in stage six, there's. Uh... There, it, it makes another appearance, kind of as a regular enemy in a couple of spots.
1: Um, oh weird. But the it's I always found that this boss was a good introduction to showing you different numerous ways you can like you're you can cancel out some of the bullets on here. The the spread shot you can't, but some of the larger bullets you can cancel out with your own shots. There, you can get. Below and up right there, you do a beam duel. There's many different ways of taking this boss out, and the, the bosses themselves have a unique ability to take the power up the same power ups that you do, and then use them against you. I thought that was a very cool feature. There's this claw that comes out, and you think it that it can hurt you, but it doesn't. And instead, it Takes the new alone or the power for itself and then uses that to charge itself up. Yep, I, I really yeah, thought that very was cool a very cool mechanic. Feature. Yeah, the new alone is just sort uh, of interesting, it's just sort of flowing freely. It's never really explained though if the new alone is just sort of like a byproduct of the aliens from Nemesis sort of being there or if that's just part of what happened to Earth or. It's never really explained.
0: It's like the guy on the History Channel says Aliens.
1: Indeed. We need the uh um, just change it, we'll make a meme for this and just call it "say nemesis. Although every time there I hear go. the word nemesis, I just think about the MSX version of Gradius.
0: Right. Or the Game Boy version.
1: Oh uh, yes. So after the Stage one is complete. It goes into the first of two bonus stages, which are, are sort of interesting. Uh, I, uh, they, I'm sure they were done for you know, gives of like this neat scrolling effects and sprite scaling. There is your. It's a first person mode where you're given a targeting reticle and you have to sort of lock onto the enemies or to shoot. But it, weird things can happen with this mode where either the enemy won't show itself, it's front to you, so you can't lock onto them properly, or uh, at one time where I locked on, I fired the missiles, and the enemy went off screen, so the missiles just started swirling around the where the enemy was supposed to be until it finally came back on camera, and it felt like that was uh, like a couple seconds later at least, maybe five seconds. mhm it, it It's a neat concept and neat-looking special effects, but it, it, it can be a little quirky or buggy. Yeah, and then level two, "Cry for the Moon," is probably just as iconic as stage one, where you start seeing uh, um, this space station. And here, all I can think about when I hear that is, is, "That's no moon, that's a space station." <laughs> <laughs> no, you basically see as you're flying through, you see this moon in the background, and it gradually it gets bigger and bigger after the stage. And I. I think this is also one of the only spots where the uh, mid-bosses show up that's one of the driest fish, like it's the captain. Right. And so the, green, the green fish that you also see at the um, entering the score games, it's also where you get your first taste of, oh shoot, enemies uh, are starting to come from behind. They're not coming from the bottom or the front and, and you have to really learn how to control your space or or better yet, really memorize the game. And majority of it comes... To, that's what this game is. It's one, another one of those memorization-heavy games. You have to know where to position yourself and where to be. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're going to get destroyed pretty quickly from enemies that come from behind or come from the bottom.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this this stage introduces what I will call the variable difficulty of Metal Black. And there's a gauntlet of enemies toward the end of the second stage that becomes a major wall and um, a, a bit of a difficulty spike, I would say, because it throws a lot at you. And there is a way to more consistently route it that I know now, but it feels initially like... Uh, the game is like the game is saying okay, off the cabinet give me your money
1: we call that the cave effect you know, stage 2 is here, alright everybody time to time to get the person off and get some more quarters exactly yeah, well, I think it's like these jellyfish type enemies that come up and they start moving from behind they come from the front and they're hit you with aim shots, so you have to... careful. I think the strat you're talking about is where you go from the, the very bottom left to the bottom right. You just go in a straight line and then you move your way back in the bottom left.
0: Yeah. And this was something that I tried to do early on, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't figure out the, the specifics of it. And it's way simpler than I thought it was going to be. Um, so... Big thanks to uh, Goji Guy for pointing that out.
1: Yeah, I think in the uh, SDG Weekly Run, they bombed there in order to save up enough um, new alones in order to increase their score, which is an interesting way of taking it. it. It should be noted that each new alone is worth 10 points, so if you're really going to maximize your score, you got to make sure that you maximize it every single one that you can in order to get the full benefits out of them yep so the boss of stage two is first has an incredible entrance i really like the fact that it is just busting out of the second uh second moon or like an eggshell and you just have the that glass shattering effect that uh it feels like it was lifted out of lethal enforcers but it's still a cool sound effect and this giant snake comes out of it, and circles around the screen. A- anyone who's familiar with the Gradius games will be familiar with how to deal with snake-type enemies. This one, in particular, has a little bit of a different twist with it with the disco balls. I, I know they're not disco balls, but uh, they reflect lights. So <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yep. It shoots out <laughs> these little eggs, and these eggs, it fires lasers through, and the lasers bounce off of them and go on different angles, which has a unique effect. Uh, they li- like this snake so much that they put its ancestor in uh, Sekno, was Seco no Rondo.
0: Oh, yeah, Seco no Rondo.
1: Um, and the, the only other thing I can think of that's notable for the snake is you got to be careful when you're getting, because it will follow the path of the new alones. again, trying to grab those to power itself up. You have to be careful you're not sitting in a pile of new, of new alones around you, but you can also use that to your advantage by a, grabbing a couple of them so yourself and clearing a path so the snake avoids you. It's right. a really interesting boss fight. Yeah. Now, stage three is sort of interesting because it's a spaceship graveyard... And this is sort of where you get that sort of feeling from 2001: A Space Odyssey, like someone was a big fan. Is in the wreckage, you'll notice that what appears to be the uh, spaceship or the space station from 2001: A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. There, it's it's almost it reminds me a lot of the uh, Gradius game, with a state where there's a lot of wreckage, and then you there's a enemy who will grab both sides of the top and the bottom of the screen and then pull them together in an effort to trap you. Yep. Uh, well, uh, it's pretty. Here, and then the... <laughs> oh man, the final boss for this thing always cracks me up with the... A... Is it, pronounced sounds
0: Deo? Gishin.
1: Deo Gishim? Deo Deo It's yes. basically uh, um, a Dun Beetle gathering up
0: Yes, as, <laughs> as 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 DJ Psycho M1 always likes to call it on his streams, the poo beetle,
1: <laughs> the poo beetle, yes, the poo beetle gathering up this big ball, and you could sort of trap him into a endless routine. But a couple of my, the runs that I had done, I accidentally hit the garbage pile instead of the dumb beetle and uh, revealed the uh, the other boss, and that made it a lot harder than it should have been. But if you can kill the keep hitting the Dumb Beetle by de- destroying his ball, or stop him from throwing his ball, you can trap into this almost looks like a glitchy animation. Sort of funny, and some way it looks like he's dancing.
0: Right. Yeah, so, it's a it's an interesting fight, though.
1: Definitely. So after you uh, defeat the Dumb Beetle, you go on to the second of the <clears throat> the second of the the bonus stages. And the rules here apply about the same. The only difference is it sort of does this neat uh, 3D effect with it almost looks like this lava flying around you at first.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what it is that it's supposed to represent.
1: Either way, it's still a unique effect.
0: Yeah. Very very cool sprite scaling and, and uh warping effects. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess you could say, besides from getting Man Country Maximize Your New loans, the key to getting the best score is to maximizing your time within the bonus rounds. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, stage four itself, uh, is it Crystal Easy?
0: Crystal, crystal Lies, I think.
1: Crystal Lies. Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me Crystal Lies. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Crystal is where the game really starts ramping up. Uh, if I remember, correctly, Crystallize has the bubbles, right? And those yes. bubbles are a giant pain in the butt because they will just block anything from getting through until you get rid of them. And this is where you really need auto-fire. And I'm trying to think what the... Well, crystallized? The bosses crystallized was the um, spaceship with the brain, wasn't it?
0: Oh, the Amazo. Yeah,
1: that's Amazing. the stage four <laughs> boss. Yeah, Amazo and the, the Amazo reminds me a lot of uh, Mother Brain, right? Or or the um, what's the uh, Return of Shinobi on the Mega Drive that were that has that would attack you, and then all of a sudden this brain comes up out of the... You have to shoot that with your shuriken.
0: Yeah, Shinobi 3.
1: I I thought that was Shinobi 2. Was it Shinobi 3?
0: Yeah, Shinobi 3 is the one that has the weird alien brain thing.
1: Okay. But it it really reminded me... Or or the NES Batman game. But it really reminded reminded me of those with the way... But it's almost like a... um, fighting a, the cat battleship in Parodius or you know, people want to say R-Type Stage 4 with a huge battleship as as you're just moving around it destroying certain yeah. parts of it and then you destroy the big brain, brain, big brain in the butt <laughs> I don't know what to say there but uh, big butt brain so yeah <laughs> it's definitely interesting say can you think of anything else to add for stage four?
0: No, but I mean it's it's a it's a solid stage and uh, definitely the uh, the boss fight is memorable.
1: Yes, destroying the big butt brain is definitely memorable <laughs> then stage f- five is nemesis crisis. And this is where the games was it stage, f- yeah. Stage five does the weird set with like the ro- the rocks and then the uh, lava, and you have to de- deal with navigating more pathways. I'm trying. I can't think of anything that was memorable with the enemies in stage five, but the boss of stage five, ghost. It- Feels at least to me, feels to be when you're playing for survival, a lot easier to deal with than the boss of stage four. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like it, it's similar in scale to the apartheid, but it, it's it almost feels like it would be in a uh, Guy Ares boss, right? Like the the first, the stage one boss of Gaeris where it's big and sort of along the same scale as the uh, final boss from Spaceballs. And that giant Mm. vacuum cleaner made it. It sort of feels along (laughs) that same type of... But the boss itself sort of goes down surprisingly easy.
0: Yeah, I don't... Stage 4 boss isn't too hard. The one thing I'll say about the Stage 4 boss that you have to be careful of is... In place of the, the original sort of arm that would go out and grab the new alones, it has that in the new version, um, but there's also this new, I don't know, it's like an arm thing or whatever that sticks out from the base, and it's got this orb on the front that it uses to collect the new alone also. That one will hurt you. So you have to be careful of that not to let that run into you because it does this thing where it it doesn't charge you necessarily, but it sort of moves towards you uh, at the back of the screen. And if you're all the way to the back of the screen and up toward the top, it'll move towards you and it'll sort of phase out right before it hits you. Uh, but if you're down on the screen a little bit too far, you will run into that little arm thing and it'll take you out. So you have to be careful to... To not run into that arm because it will damage you unlike most of the most of the previous boss uh, arms or appendages that it uses to collect the new alone so it, it it might trip you up the first couple of times
1: the other part about that too is you have to be careful with its uh, 3 shot right you sometimes it likes to get really close and then will fire off a 3 away shot which makes it really hard to dodge
0: Right, and I think if you destroy that arm first, it will start being more aggressive about shooting the a five way shot. Uh, so you got to be careful about that. If you're if you're going for score, you'll probably need to take out the arm because it's additional points. But from a survival standpoint, you don't want to destroy that arm. You just want to target the head.
1: And well, something that should have been said earlier, but I will say it now. All of these bosses have a three-minute timeout, so you, really good players who are playing for score will set their stopwatches and uh, collect as much new loans and do as little damage as possible in order to boost up their score before the boss fully times out. It's uh, interesting, something that, that I don't think I would have the patience for.
0: Right. Yeah, de- definitely one of the strategies in the game is to is to milk... Uh, the bosses for different things, and uh, and then also to make sure that you can collect all the new alone.
1: So and that brings us to our last stage of the game, which is level six, a uh, Mirage of Mind Gaia, or the boss is Omega Zone. Let's start talking about the stage. So the start, the stage itself, is with these asteroid or these rocks that rotate around you, and it, it's really neat effect was uh, dealing with the sprite scaling. And I don't remember too much about the stage itself. The, the the embossed stage is certainly very trippy, but I don't remember too much. Can you add something for the stage six?
0: Yeah, stage six uh, also has this weird thing going on where there's a new enemy type, or uh, I guess you could call it an enemy or an obstacle that it introduces, where it starts out as this little thing and when you shoot it, that sort of explodes out or expands into sort of a lattice work that gets bigger. And then, but then as you keep shooting it, you can kind of move around and destroy those. Um, but you want to make sure you take those out right away when you see them, because otherwise, if you happen to shoot it, then later when you get in, when they get back toward the the back of the screen. You might actually trap yourself and uh, <laughs> you know die from that.
1: Was it stage six that has a parasites, or was it stage five?
0: Um, no the parasite uh, the parasites are in uh, stage four, I believe.
1: Oh, four! I'm bothered. Yeah, the, the parasites are another way that if you want to boost your score. So if they lock onto your right. ship, you got to destroy them first, and if you. They have locked on. You won't get any points for it. So, yep. I I thought for sure that they were like a stage six thing, but the stage six must have been the, um, was it the starfish or you know those quad fish that go through?
0: Stage six has a bunch of those. Those show up first, I think, in stage four. But yeah, there's a there's a bunch of those in stage six.
1: And see, I thought it was the stage four was the turtles that shot out in, in different directions.
0: Well that's those you see first in stage 2 but they they show up during a couple of phases of the stage 4 boss.
1: Okay. It's clear that <laughs> enemies all over the place but <laughs> thanks for that. I it's yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a, there's a starfish, the parasites. But the, you're right, there was a definitely a new enemy in stage 6.
0: Right, and and like I said, you kind of see the stage one boss again a couple of times during a, a spot in stage six, where you'll have one that sort of spawns out of the out of the rocks on the ground, and then shortly thereafter you'll have one that'll spawn from the ceiling, and um, and shoot as well. But stage six, really, other than those little space barnacle parasite things. Stage 6 sort of culminates with most of the standard enemy types that you've seen thus far and uh, just throws a lot of stuff at you.
1: Yeah, and the Stage 6 boss, what a trip for a game on that. It's A, shows its Darius roots, and B, goes into again, 2001 Space Odyssey territory here with the a different flavor of background. So you're flying this... It, it, um, what's... I'm trying to think of it right now. The name of the Last Boss and Darius games. You, I, I keep wanting to call it Big Fish, but that's it. <clears throat> Do you know what I'm talking oh, about?
0: Like like King Fossil or, uh, or Great it, King?
1: Maybe Great Thing is what I'm thinking of. Is It, it looks like it's just a a little bit palette swapped in modified version of great keen.
0: Yeah. The interesting thing though is with the final boss, you can actually overlap the sprite of the final boss mostly except for its core which is its weak point.
1: The core and then its tail, right?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a spot at the end of its tail that will that will shoot out a beam. You can't overlap that por- portion, of course, because of the beam. Um, but you can destroy that portion if you approach it correctly.
1: Yep, and in the meanwhile, you got these really trippy backgrounds playing on. The first one is an ape with a hammer or an axe or something, which I think is maybe another uh, thing for uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. And these type of And then it goes into a guy with a machine, with a bazooka, doesn't it? And
0: Something like that.
1: And then it switches to a bunch of dolls. Right. Dolls and stuff, which is
0: really weird.
1: And then the last one is the creepy cat. Yes. The cat with the two different eyes.
0: I think someone on the STG Weekly stream said that uh, they thought they had read or heard somewhere that that was actually one of the developer's cats
1: <laughs> well I was sort of thinking you know if this game had not been a Taito game well and a Darius or you know if it wasn't doesn't have that lineage but instead was a Choaniki game I wonder if we would have ended up with Na Cat.
0: yeah <laughs> right
1: you know that maybe that would have been a power, power up instead Oh, geez, Joe and Nikki cross Taito. <laughs> but yeah. It's definitely weird. And then the uh, ending that you get on the... Well, there's two endings, actually. But the ending that you get is just so bizarre. The pilot goes into a fetal position after the enemies destroyed. The Earth splits into two. And then you see the ocean. Right. Which, you know, makes total sense, right? Yeah. That's always what happens when when you defeat the final boss. So, well,
0: and you... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, so... I mean, I, I don't know what to make of this. Do you have any thoughts?
0: Well, yeah, the the, the ending is is kind of a, an early version of Taito being more esoteric with their... Um, with their shmups like they were in the '90s, uh, because you know, *Darius II* had that whole uh, uh, that that ending where they wake up in bed and and uh, was the whole *Mortal Kombat* just a dream kind of a thing? You know, the *Super Mario Brothers two sort of uh, sort of cop out, but this you know this starts to take things in a in a more weird and obtuse kind of direction.
1: You know, I almost wonder if that was the type of stuff they. <laughs> it says, so what did you do do before uh, creating all those weird commercials for the PlayStation 3? This, oh, well, I used to write uh, stories for Taito. I did <laughs> the ending for Blast. Do you remember those weird things with a baby that would just start laughing and it would show the PlayStation 3? Uh-huh. I wonder if it was the same person. Somebody goes, hmm... What was your inspiration? Well, you know, it was t- titles from. It was a period of weird. Now I think about it. What was the. Um, Thunder Force 3 was really weird with the way that game mm-hmm. would go. What was the. Um, not Healy's comment, but the. Um, the Voyager probe? Like mm-hmm. developed sentience or something like that? Or am I getting that computer to Star Trek? I'm. <laughs> I got something. Well, there was something really weird about... The stories for Thunder Force 3 was completely off the rails. I remember that where a probe gained sentience or something like that. So it was just the, the area where people are weird for weirdness' sake.
0: Right. Well, and if you... If you get all the way to stage six and then you die and don't continue, that's when you get the so-called bad ending.
1: <laughs> the good which, bad ending?
0: <laughs> yeah, which is uh, John Ford goes down with the ship, so to speak, and uh, and because the aliens took him out, that sort of sparks a coup. And so then you've got 20,000 Blackfly ships out for revenge Taking on Nemesis, uh, and so it's kind of an interesting twist in the you know in the story.
1: Yeah, but the weird part of that is supposedly the UN leaked the wrong location in order to protect Nemesis. So when they do sign the peace treaty, and so apparently they're all, they're attacking the wrong thing and they're all sent to die.
0: Hmm
1: this just (laughs) it's where maybe I maybe I need to read the manga because wasn't there a four volume manga that went with this
0: oh was there
1: I'm pretty sure there was a four volume now it could just be as crazy as the um, anime or manga that was released within life force right we all know that went places but it's I'm pretty sure there was a manga for this. I don't think it gives proper explanation to any of this, but (laughs) I'm sure it was a thing.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Um, A couple things I wanted to make sure that we noted is uh, while you're using your beam or your bomb uh, and your meter's running out, if you collect new alone while your beam is active or while you're bombing... You sort of extend the, the life of that a little bit. Now, obviously, you need to keep collecting the new alone to keep recharging, and it only adds a little bit, so it's going to continue to dwindle. But you can extend your beam or your bomb just a little bit by, by gathering more new alone while that's happening. The other thing is, uh, and we'll touch on this a little bit later when we talk about scoring, but the bonus stages are... Very heavy on the RNG. And so uh, you have to, as you said, you have to target sort of the nose of the ship uh, with your reticle. And each of the two bonus stages has a timer. And the first timer is set at 30. But it's not 30 seconds as we see it in the real world. It's, uh, It's a much faster time frame, whatever it is. And then the second one is 60 count on the timer. But the the first one, the first bonus stage, your objective is to destroy five of these craft. And then you get 10 in the second bonus stage that you're supposed to destroy.
1: All right, so now would be a good time to take a quick break and talk about the similarities between Darius and Metal Black. The shark jaws on the logo are a reference to marine life forms featured on the Darius series. And those, uh, if you let them go for a little bit on the attract screen, the shark jaws come flying at you. I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah. The conflict between Earth and Nemesis closely parallels that of Darius and Belser. Like in the Darius series, the enemies in Metal Black consist of, for the most part, cybernetic animals. Though they are visually different, the shape and size of the Metal Black final boss Omega Zone is close to that of the recurring Darius final boss Great Thing. The beam battles used in Metal Black are later used in the same manner in G Darius. The explosion animation shown when defeating a boss is similar to that in Darius Gaiden. The origin of the Black Fly and Silver Hawks are so close in that they both are one-pilot airplane-like ships created using enemy technology and energy sources and later are used to by the pro- protagonists to defeat the enemy. The Blackfly and Silverhawk are both named after a color and an animal in that order. Metal Black has mid-bosses captains similar to those first used in Darius 2. In both Metal Black and Darius series, Sirens are heard as harbingers of every boss battle. Or as I, I like to refer to it as dive, dive, dives. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like a submarine dive, is right? Right. I mean, you got to reference the, if you're going to take from a game, you got to take from one of the best games ever made, Silent Service, right? Absolutely. The ingrain, sorry, the in-game sprite for New Alone is almost identical to that the tricolor power-up in G Darius. The mid boss on the first stage is very similar to the Yamoto from Darius 2. The Osh- Ocean Sunfish on stage 2 and stage 4 and the ranking screen are similar to that of the Heat Ariel from Super Darius 2 and precursors of Odias Trident from Darius Gaiden. Feeder is a successor of Darius Swan from Darius 2. And Amazo is a precursor of Titanic Lance from Darius Gaiden. Hmm. So a lot of cross-pollination here.
0: Yeah, lots lots going on with that. So I guess uh, shifting focus and talking about the graphics, um, you know, we, we mentioned this earlier, but this game definitely has a darker overall tone and atmosphere. ...than the first two Darius games. But I still found it to be very colorful overall. Uh, Particularly when you talk about things like... ...some of the... ...like when you're doing the boss battles. uh, Once the boss is powered up with uh, New Alone... ...they shoot out purple... ...purple shots at you or they'll do the purple beams. Many of the spread shots that they use are kind of a bright purple... And a lot of the areas have have bright colors, even if the palettes, uh, even if the palette of the F one, the Taito F one system, isn't quite as bold and bright as what some of the later games would uh, would allow for. Um, And of course, as you just alluded to, there's a there's a heavy Darius inspiration. A lot of the enemy designs were obviously meant to kind of go that direction so it, it seems pretty obvious to me that that this was at some point going to be a Darius game um, you know even if uh, even if it didn't end up with the official name
1: yeah it's pretty impressive that they turned this around within six months So, y- honestly yeah I mean, you really have to reuse everything you've got in order to make the game out in six
0: months, <laughs> right? Uh, there's a, there's a lot of cool effects throughout the game, a lot of sprite scaling, some warping, uh, plenty of parallax, and other things going on that are really uh, impressive, particularly for 1991. You know, if it if it weren't for the slightly muted color palette that you get from the f1 and uh, a little bit of chunkiness here and there with some of the graphics you might think that uh, that you're looking at some uh, some neo Geo kind of stuff going on and certainly this this uh, impresses for its time um, there's also uh, there's also this kind of cool... I'll call it a pseudo-3D effect that you get. In Stage 3, you sort of fly... In the beginning, you're kind of flying through a uh, this tube thing, and it's sort of ruined. But it has this effect that makes it look like you're... like you're passing it by, and you sort of see the perspective shift as you go along. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but it's a really cool effect to pull off in a 2d game. And then stage six you mentioned the beginning of that stage. you sort of see these these rock formations that look like stalagmites and stalactites at the beginning of that stage and you're sort of scaling they're, they're scaling and turning around almost as if the, the ship is sort of coming up upon this maybe this corridor or this cave. And is kind of turning to get into that area or whatever, and it's a really cool effect. So there's a lot of a lot of cool graphical stuff going on in this game.
1: yeah, it's pretty obvious to see why this game couldn't come out without I'm pretty sure that someone could have probably come up with some technical wizardry, but At least at the time, it couldn't come onto home consoles and why it required the power of the Saturn in order to finally bring this title home.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could could maybe see something like this possible on, let's say, Sega CD, because that had built-in scaling and rotation and different effects like that, but it certainly would have been a, uh, still would have been a bit of a feat to make that happen.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned the scaling already, and we talked about colorful. But in some ways, it, it's sort of funny that the the sunfish sort of stand out as being almost too, too colorful for this game. I mean, every, yeah. Everything is sort of gray or black. Or, it's, I mean, e- even the uh, stage four boss with the brain on there and the pink it makes it stand out from anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, a lot of very muted colors. You had a lot of browns and blacks, and, and here I, uh, I have to think though. I mean, compared to uh, Darius, I mean, what did they think that Darius was normally this bright, cheerful color palette? I mean, I could see it in some ways, but it's not like it was a skittle effect like you get from Fantasy Zone. <laughs> I mean, you want bright and colorful, that's a cute em up, but. Uh, I, I. I. Maybe tonally I could see that. It's here, but definitely not in the graphics themselves. Hmm. All right. Now that we've given our say on the sound. Excuse me. Uh, yes. Now that we've sounded off on the sound and the sound and the sound. Now <laughs> that we <laughs> have. Talked about the graphics. Let's sound off on the sound. It has a moody and atmospheric score by Yak or Zuntada. Your main weapon shot sound charges with each power level, which is a nice touch. Enemy explosions are varied. Some have interesting crackle to them. And voice sound samples in the game are a bit muffled, but really convey that radio chatter effect. Yeah, I don't think that there's any sound effect in here that i found well okay i take that back maybe the glass shattering of the moon but that was for just being really clear and crisp and cool effect. fact there's nothing on here that has an overblown effect or need to be changed in my opinion and the music will really really fit the theme it, it runs close to something that I, I would listen to outside of the game itself what about you
0: yeah, the soundtrack is definitely a highlight, and certainly I think one of the reasons that that people are continue to that, con- that people will continue to be drawn to this game because it just is very, um, very different and has a lot of different f- um, feelings that it conveys throughout the game. You know, from the sort of somber tone of the stage one. To the much more subdued stage 2, and then stage 3 has a bit more of a bright, bouncy feel to it. Uh, so it's kinda it's kind of all over the place, but in a good way. Moving on to scoring. One of the interesting things about this is this is kind of in this sort of pre-Gigawing era where games were still relatively sc- low scoring. But this is a particularly low-scoring game because of things like the new alone, which you mentioned before, are only worth ten points apiece. Uh, normally, when you think about power-ups, you know you pick up power-ups and they're going to be worth whatever, you know, a few hundred points, maybe a couple thousand points, or or something like that. You, you think of a game like Truxton or a or a typical tow plane game where. Once you've hit your max power level, you know every power up after that is worth maybe five thousand points or something. But in this game, everything has much lower stakes, much lower score. Um, you know, enemies are worth varying amounts. Uh, there are a lot of early enemies that are worth a hundred points. There are some later that are worth more. Um, you know, an example I'm thinking of is in stage four, the bubbles that can trap you. Um, the interesting thing is, whether you shoot them down or whether they trap you, either way, they're worth 500 points. <clears throat> and so it's kind of kind of cool that you don't miss out on the points necessarily by having the bubbles trap you. As long as they get destroyed, you get those points. Um, and really... Anything that you can shoot and destroy, you get points for. Um, so you've got, of course, enemies, you've got missiles, which are fired out by some enemies and several of the bosses. Uh, there are some barrier walls like those in stage four and, um, and then boss parts in a couple of instances, the stage two boss, like we mentioned, has those, you know, disco balls, as you called them, that, uh that reflect the lasers, those you can shoot down. That boss also shoots missiles that you can milk for points. And so, you know, different things like that. Basically, anything that you can shoot and destroy is worth points. Um, The bonus stage enemies are worth a thousand points each. And if you manage to make it to the end and destroy all the enemies within a bonus stage you get two additional bonuses. You get a 1,000 points for each count that's left on the timer, and you get the so-called perfect bonus that awards you uh, an additional 10,000 points. But that's one of the big frustrations about scoring in this game is the two bonus stages, because they're so RNG-heavy that it can be difficult to... uh, I mean, you can't really be consistent with them because the enemy movement is all very random. Uh, and particularly in the second bonus stage, when enemies move much faster, they are a lot faster than what your reticle is. And so it's just a matter of sort of catching them at the right time or or being able to kind of luck your way into into targeting them. I think when I was streaming the game, the... the f- the most time that I had left on the timer in the first bonus stage was 17 seconds. And when I messed around with it earlier, just to sort of refresh, I got, I got 20 seconds left, but then, uh, you know, one or two runs later and I didn't even get all five enemies on the first bonus stage because the enemy movement was such that I couldn't hit the nose on a couple of them after a few seconds and then there was barely any time left for the for the gold you know the fifth one at the end and I couldn't get him so that's one of the weird quirky things about about scoring in this game is the inconsistency of the of the uh, the bonus stages really make it difficult to get a high scoring run unless you can maximally exploit those bonus stages which is just hard to do
1: yeah and that with the low scores it it seems to stand a reason why we don't see a lot of scoring attempts on this game
0: right
1: alright so let's move on to impressions of the game our first impression comes from Goji Guy, also known as 13am Alex. Okay, I'm finally joining. I'm really stoked. I've been a long time listener, but first time joining the club. Well thank you for joining. Glad to have you. I've been playing Metal Black on and off since I got the Eager at 2 Mini, but right now I've got the Arcade Archives release, I've been playing more. Such a beautiful game, but pretty memo hemmy. I can make it to the final stage, but I haven't cleared it yet. Fingers crossed, tonight is the night. Stage practice. Finally, no-miss stage 5, just got to make it to stage 6 work, and then the more full game runs. Funnily enough, I think the Eager 2 mini version is better than the Arcade Archives for practicing, because it has 4 safe states, <laughs> I agree there. Stage 2 was the first wall in the game for me, I ended up taking a route for this part on the bottom of the screen using a spread beam. Some general tips for folks. Energy level 3 is the most powerful shot in the game. It's stronger than the beam, especially with auto-fire. You can continue to feed your beam with new alone after you fire it, extending its time and damage. The game is a bit jank. Enemy behaviors can be tough to read and there is an occasional bug where a new alone can hurt you. Up to you if you don't want to use auto-fire. I do. I don't like mashing, but having auto-fire button for the most stages really helps a lot. Your ship hitbox is long but thin. Some silly deaths in stage 2 and stage 4 sneak at me, but at least I broke the top 100 on Archive Archive leaderboards. The black Fly has extremely narrow... Hitbox and the level 4 and level 5 shot have a very generous aura above and below your ship. You still have to memorize that for sure, but you can take things out on reaction with slight nudges. Finally got the clear. Congratulations! Uh, score nothing or home to write about, but I'm thinking of bumping up to 30 hertz out of fire and trying some boss milks. I'm probably going to upload a video of my run and thoughts on the game. What a weird game. It makes me really angry, but I also love it. Uh, welcome to Schmumps. <laughs> they make me yep. angry, but I love them. Passive aggressiveness. Basically, Metal Black is aesthetically fantastic with great visual story and music. Fun core gameplay, but weird quirks and odd bits that make you raise your eyebrows. The scoring was less RNG-dependent in the enemy spawns the less randomness. In some stages, I'd say for sure. Well, thank you for joining in again. and Congrats on the clear. I... I, I for, totally forgot about the egret too, and that's another way. It's it maybe even better, as you mentioned, with the arcade archives before having forced uh, save slots.
0: Yeah, and Goji guy did upload that run, um, which I shared in Discord, uh, or you know earlier, and uh, it's under the YouTube channel Control All Monsters, and it's a Metal Black One CC walkthrough and commentary and I highly recommend going and watching that because it uh, has some really good tips and is uh, a good run to watch to kind of give you some, some survival strategies. <clears throat> Zoido chimed in and said, uh, Played some runs yesterday to fight my hangover. <laughs> I think this was at the very beginning of the month. Um, didn't play the Arcade Archives version yet, but it works really nice on the Egret Mini. The screen is a bit small, of course, but it looks very crisp. The stick is pretty solid, and you've got default rapid fire.
1: Pony Trigon says, deal with me. Deal me in, lads. I need more practice for this game anyways. I hate the rockets near the end of stage two. You really gotta learn how the hitboxes of your shots work. I'm slowly learning how big those hitboxes are. The bonus stage could be a tad bit slower for my taste. It's like one in real life second is two middle black seconds. Especially with the second bonus stage where you have to shoot down 10 enemies in 60 seconds. Unless you get really lucky with the first five or six enemies, you're basically screwed. And always that one little bugger who likes to skid around like crazy. It's like 10 middle black seconds trying to tag the bugger. Excellent use of the word bugger. (laughs) <laughs> I, I swapped to easy for a bit Stage 2 is still hard But I gotta say how the boss reveals itself is pretty cool So I learned something about the autofire And you all probably figured this out too Holding down autofire in the bonus stage Makes your fire your missiles the instant you lock on Swapped over the PS4 and did stage 3 Did a lot better Yeah, I noticed how much better frames in the PS4 version So I'm gonna stick with that for the rest of the month The only thing I hate about New Alone is it really feeds the shmup greed most shmups have, you know? Where there's a power-up and you have to nab it first. (laughs) I understand that feeling. My favorite thing about the first bonus stage is your comm unit going nuts when you get a kill. I don't know if there's a thing like that in the second one. This game is visually beautiful, wonderful use of parallax scrolling to make every environment stand out, the background shifting every time you weaken the final boss to school, the music was some of Zuntata's best, and I love how in the bottom right it shows the track name. <clears throat> Don't think I'd ever see that in a game. Beam dolls. Seriously, nothing's cool than watching two murder beams class with each other see whose is more powerful. Is it also just me, or does the black fly look like a shotgun? Not to mention it, sort of does. Oh boy, does this game have issues. For one, the game commits two heinous sh- shmup sins. I'm not going to try saying that fast. Greed. <laughs> New Alone floats all over the place, and it makes me just want to snag it all. Extremely detrimental with boss fights, too. It almost always spawns in spots where enemies usually spawn. It makes dodgy enemies harder to avoid. The second shmup sin is enemies coming from behind. This is a big one for me. This one works with games like Darius and R-Type where you have the option to shoot from behind you, but here you can only fire forwards and you have to just know when these enemies are going to show up. You have almost no cover on your backside, so half the time in the later stages, I keep getting enemies whacking my thrusters. Repeatedly till I'm out of quarters and got to bug Mom for more. Another con for me personally, as much as I like the concept of beam duels, I wish more bosses did this in schmumps, The main issue I have with how metal black handles this is you have to learn the boss's movement and you need to learn where it's going to fire from. Stage 3 boss is a good example of this, <clears throat> where the boulder shoots the beam, not the boss itself. Overall, a very good game, but who oh boy does it have some issues. 8 out of 10. Would have given it a 6, but there's a kitty. Instant two points because kitty. Yes, I have a kitty text. I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> very colorful feedback. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I like that. kitty text.
1: Kitty text.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: You're going to love it when we cover Neko Navy, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Schlarp uh, joined in and said, wow, metal black is very hard for me. At least I barely made it to round three with 93,670 points. And then later, Schlarp said, It took a while, but I start having fun with the game. It also took a while to understand basic mechanics. I smell a connection. I think I'm getting old. (laughs) Uh, And then said, I just had the chance to play and tested the auto-fire modes in the arcade arcade Archived version, and boy, what a difference. Tomorrow, I will have a look on how the built-in auto-fire of the Brook Universal Fighting Board performs on Saturn. I remember it being quite slow, though. Uh, And then later said, uh, I didn't bother playing on Saturn anymore. Moved over to Arcade Archives on Switch. Normal difficulty. Personal best at 201,629. And then again later said, "I made it to level four with one credit with with uh, three hundred twenty-five thousand fifty points on normal. Thanks to uh, thirteen a.m. Alex for the video showing good strategies. I was trying to find a safe route at the end of level two, but never did it. And yet, it's so easy if you just know how. Stage three boss is really uh, is significantly more easy with beam at level three. And then final thoughts." You guys said it all. On a subjective note, my first impression was not positive. I was disappointed from the weird enemy formations, movement patterns, and uninspired explosions and sound effects. But the more I played, the more I was fascinated from the music, graphics, and bosses. Level by level, the atmosphere got deeper and felt like a psychedelic journey, similar to Darius Gaiden. The game is still not my favorite in terms of gameplay. But it really is one of a kind that I will not forget.
1: Uh, Jerry I took down my crew, says Metal Black has always driven me crazy. I have big problems separating the foreground from the background. I just crash into things. Does anyone else have this problem? You know, I only have that problem when I take my driving test. <laughs> I'm getting warmed up and playing a few rounds of Metal Black. USA ROM and MAME. I have discovered that if you set to the full speed autofire, you are very powerful. So much that it counts as cheating. Totally recommended trying this out. Guessing that Mister may also be able to set to 30 hertz autofire, but to still use autofire and not be cheating, I found that this is to be dialled back to about five hertz. This may still be an advantage, but it's more reasonable in keeping with the typical advantage we get by enabling autofire. I put a few hours into Metal Black, but not much more. I have to realize that I was always just going to get stopped up right before the second stage boss. I lost the mojo to play. Well, I'm sorry you had a difficult time with it, and I'll hopefully you'll give it another shot. But if not, welcome you for trying out uh, next month's game.
0: Yeah, you know, its we've said this a number of times, but not every shmup is going to be for everybody and uh, so there's no shame in trying out the game realizing it's not for you and moving on um, regarding the auto fire thing I'll just say you know all of all of our competition here is very informal so I use auto fire when it's available to me and always make use of that so I don't have any problems with uh, with anybody using auto fire if they want to even if it's you know 30 hertz auto fire unofficially in Mame, when there's a game that doesn't necessarily support it you know use use the tools you have at your disposal as long as you're not blatantly save stating through a game and then saying oh yeah i cleared it
1: <laughs> this is the f- fastest one cc i've ever done by chopping up my save states
0: <laughs> right <laughs> But Corkman chimed in and said, I'm just playing this for the first time and run into things whenever I get to a new area. It's learnable, but frustrating. Uh, bombing at the gauntlet of little ships at the end of stage 2 helps. There's enough power-ups to pick up after that to have enough juice for the boss. And then Corkman offered some final thoughts. I like this game, especially the music and the graphics. The strange enemies were cool as well. However, the gameplay wasn't my favorite, and I didn't end up playing as much this month. I don't dislike it, it's just not my favorite. It's probably because you don't have enough time to react or improvise in a lot of cases. You just have to memorize. The difficulty spikes didn't help either. One second you're just going up and down easily blasting enemy formations, and the next second you are bombarded with two enemy formations, ten homing rockets, and random bullets. I'll probably play this one again at some point, but mainly to credit feed for the music and graphics.
1: Usually with when we do playthroughs, we get a two sides of the spectrum, right? You get the people who dislike it, and you get the people who like it. It's sort of weird that we're actually getting a little bit of middle ground with this one. with people are like, right. yeah, I like it, but it's just not my favorite. And it, it's definitely okay, but it, it's usually not the type of the reaction that we get from this. So it's interesting right. to see. All right, our next comment comes to us from Orc Commander. Forgot a bunch of strats in stages four and five. I posted score. I cleared the game last year, so it's a bit of a uh, de rust here. <laughs> I think my main issues right now are just remembering some of the trickier blue enemy spawns for stage four. One run had two deaths from declining the into them and minimizing deaths on stage 5, usually from the green gunners protected by the walls or the randomly spawning red spike balls, the latter being able to spawn almost right in front of you, which usually leads into death from enemy collision, can get pretty annoying. Yeah, those... Indeed. Those, yeah, those spike balls on there, uh...
0: Yeah, those are nasty. Agreed. SPM had a lot of good thoughts here. Um... And said, I just tried this for the first time. What a weird game. I don't know if I'll like it. First impressions after one hour aren't the best. The pace and difficulty is all over the place. Those little bits of energy constantly inundating the screen, I don't fully understand yet. Are we supposed to use that charge shot frequently? What's the point of beam battles against bosses? They don't seem to increase the score. They look cool though. Boss fights are also really weird. To sum up, weird. I like the second stage theme. It's stuck in my head as I write this. (laughs) And then later on. Okay, I played for another hour. This game has something to it. It has a really slow beginning, but doing it while dodging the first pow up new alone spices things up a bit. Then I'll probably try to finish every boss with a beam duel, for swag purposes. Oh, there's an ending slash cutscene if we die in stage 6. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. I just tried 30 hertz auto fire, and wow, what a difference! The 8-bit Do arcade stick fires at 15 hertz. Didn't know this until now. What's the in-game auto fire? It seems to be a bit less than 15 hertz, and even less counting the time between presses. And then SPM offered some final thoughts. Okay, here comes my wall. Cool quote: Darius game with unnecessary but awesome beam duels. The ship's wide shot is quite versatile, covering the top and bottom of your ship, and works great with the level design, and even better when powered up. I had to adapt my playstyle a bit, though, to enjoy the whole run, but it was worth it, and I recommend everyone else does too. Otherwise, it's a bit unbalanced in terms of pace and difficulty. For instance, I started without auto fire and trying to dodge the first pow-up new alone during Stage 1 to make it a bit more engaging, then switch to 15 hertz for a, comf- a comfy but still quote-intended experience. That is, until things got hectic enough and I glued my finger to the 30 hertz button. I also tried to counterbeam every boss for fun, except the last one. Even though they do nothing for score and leave you weaker for the next stage, a missed opportunity there. Grabbing new alone during this attack fills your gauge and makes them last longer, and then lets you start the next stage stronger. This game has ultimately grown on me. It may lack a bit of replayability, since going for high scores becomes a nightmare due to RNG and some tedious milks, but light scoring is still enjoyable and more engaging. It basically boils down to killing stuff, collecting power, ups, the bonus rounds, and boss milking particularly the sixth one, which is the only milk I did for a bit because I found it fun. Basically, what I really want to say is just, cat! (laughs) Kitty. Uh, Everybody love the cat.
1: Yeah, I, I... I find this echo a lot of times where this game is... has its flaws for sure, but it... It definitely has that appeal. It's got enough going for it to, to make up for the flaws. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to final thoughts here. So our next thoughts come to us from Matt D. Tunston. There, I played second game. First game, I got 2,000 points. I didn't get wiped out in the beginning. I like it. That bonus stage is weird. It probably gets super hard for me like most shooters do. I made it to the big moon. I feel like I can make some progress on this good game. Glad I got it. All right, well, glad you made it to the moon and got to see it hatch. Now, it's definitely uh, one of these things that does one of these games that maybe could g- give off a little bit of a sort of a weird first impression when you met ma- is it. Uh, Yeah, in 91, I'm certain that was amazing. But if you were to look at this game now and recommend it to somebody, it might be hard for someone to distinguish it between other games of the era, right? If if you're going to show it to someone versus like Gradius 2 or something, there's really nothing that immediately hits you and draws you in. Because even a lot of the scaling effects and stuff don't really take that effect until... Later, right within stage one, I'm trying to think of a good way to say there's nothing, there's no flashy graphics or anything that will just immediately pull you in. This this game is something that you have to take your time and for for better or worse, here with memorization and discover.
0: Yeah. Let's go ahead and quickly recap the scores here. Uh, we'll just kind of go over the top five. Uh, Orc Commander took everybody to task and dominated with 601,520 points. SPM came in next at 531,610 points. Uh, Goji Guy, or 13AM uh, Alex, uh, got 480,920 and that was that clear that uh, is posted on YouTube. Uh, i will up next with uh, 341,480, and then Schlarp rounds out the top five with 325,050 points.
1: Excellent scores. So, let's start off with final thoughts here. What are your final thoughts, Guru?
0: This is one of those games that I think has kind of intimidated me because it it does have a little bit of a reputation for being difficult, and certainly there are spots where that is the case. But I think with a little bit more practice, um, I think I could probably get the clear. And I may may try to hammer away at this game just a little bit more to see if I can make that happen, because I really would like to to say that I've cleared this game. Uh, This is one that I think the RNG factor is heavy enough that it can be annoying and it can be off-putting. But the game makes up for it in part because of the sheer atmosphere and... The overall presentation, the music, and uh, you know just how just how much atmosphere it has. So I think it has enough going for it in that sense. Plus, I guess the deceptive simplicity of the of the game's power up system that it offers you more than just grab these items and and shoot bigger shots. Um, you know, it's got a little bit more going on underneath the surface. So I think all of that combined sort of make for uh, a more interesting and engaging experience than you might expect, and certainly one that that sort of helped herald a new direction for Taito shooting games going forward, to a bit more esoteric stories and uh, overblown plot lines. But then also interesting mechanics and uh, stuff like that. So definitely a game that I'm I'm glad we played and one that I could see myself occasionally firing up uh, just to sort of get lost in a few runs. I know when I fired it up earlier, I found myself kind of getting sucked back in, but then ultimately, you know, got a little bit frustrated with <clears throat> my inability to. To progress, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I
1: agree with you that it, it seems the game definitely has flaws to it, and it's definitely trying new things. But I, I agree with you, I think that these flaws are can be ignored, or these rough edges can be ignored because the game, the product as a whole, seems to do really be cohesive. It's not... You know, you, you're you're going to definitely hit some bumps in there, aforementioned difficulty, and you're going to run to some weird RNG that's going to frustrate you at times. But the soundtrack, the power-up system that's always there, the dark atmosphere that really... Start of titles more as you mentioned esoteric uh, storyline trends or more in this case maybe more Inception like storyline yeah. trends really makes it a memorable game and despite you know there being safer bets such as you know March's game Gradius three I'm oh, sorry Gradius two. Gradius 3 is a safety bet for you dying, but... (laughs) Gradius 2 is much more of a known quantity. in in this game is not. And I I think that type of stuff, just like with Mushihime-sama, is what attracts somebody to a a game knowing that there's a chance that things could be going horribly wrong. In some weird ways, it's like schmup gambling, right? You got that, you're like, well, I could lose. I could lose pretty badly, but I could also win big.
0: Interesting.
1: So I, I think that this is one of those games that the more, that more that you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. It, uh, me too. I found myself going. This game is hard. I don't. But then I'm playing. Going. Wait. This game is easier than I thought. It's still not a pushover, <clears throat> but there's definitely more to it. And I definitely like what I've played. Good deal. So where are we going next? Here, we're going to the land of incessant pudding. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, since we're recording this so late, uh, we've pretty much already we've pretty much already finished up most of the month of February, where we've been playing Toho Eight Imperishable Night, and so uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be too late to join in for that. But it'll be about the right time. ...to join in and play our March 2023 game, which is going to be Gradius 2. And there are several ways to experience that. Now that it's out on the Arcade Archives, uh, of course it was on the Gradius Collection on the PSP. There's also the PC Engine release that's on the Graphics Mini, and also... The uh, really interesting Famicom port.
1: Well, and don't forget for those of you that love loading times, there's also the Saturn and the uh, PS1 ports.
0: Uh, true. So lots of lots of ways to to experience that.
1: Uh, I'm not sure if I'll try it with the MSX, although it's not technically a MSX game, but maybe I'll try the MSX version.
0: Oh, sure yeah it's it's a really its own thing because it's Gradius number two rather than Gradius Roman numeral two but uh yeah it might be interesting to mess with for just a little bit um if for no other reason than to sort of see what odd direction they took it
1: I'm sure there's a Java phone port out there somewhere.
0: Huh. You that or is right.
1: A, either that or is a punchy slot machine. Oh. This Konami punchy. we're talking about.
0: This is true.
1: Uh, it's time to play whack a Mole and hit some gophers. With Gradius 2 Gopher no Yabo. Yes. And then in April you know we're they say that you, uh, you either die as a superstar soldier or you find yourself becoming a parody. <laughs> so, we we will be playing Star Parodier. And I am definitely looking forward to that one. We need to, we need to add some more silly into the shmups.
0: Indeed.
1: I think this is one of Ed's favorite games, too.
0: Oh, yeah. I I know he likes this one.
1: Heck, we might even get the exclusive Duke Togo thumbs of of approval.
0: (laughs) Perhaps, yeah.
1: And speaking of Ed, we'd like to thank Ed in Studio Mupprins for the logo, as well as helping us out with the podcast shirts. I'd like to thank Kogusu for the intro and outro music. Everyone at the plus, Press Playcast and Collector Cast. I'd like to thank Metalfro for streaming the Schmump Game of the Month along with his uh, Pirate Parrot Dogs. And I'd like to thank DJ Psycho M1 for always keeping things interesting on Channel Chunks and the Pandemic Aid. So look for him on Twitch.
0: Yep. I think that's all the damage we can do.
1: I'd like to thank the Academy. You like me. You really like me. All right, I've gone off the rails here.
0: Uh, All right, well, thank you for listening, and we will see you again next time.
1: Thank you for listening.